Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, senior sports editor of the ODPH. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach, Coach Duffy. Nothing happened on Saturday, and we will not talk about it. Well, I guess there goes a segment, so this will be a shorter episode of the ODPH than expected. Yes. (laughs) Fair enough. No, we're going to definitely deep dive into the land of sports on this edition, so we definitely want to interact with you. Hit us up on the hashtag ODPH, and you can find all the accounts that you need to interact with us on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. So jump in on Facebook, jump in on Twitter, jump in on Instagram, jump in on TikTok. Jump in on Tout. Um, going old school yeah pad has a tout account for the show so if you can track it down by all means and you can find all that and so much more at ochoduroparlayhour.com but let us kick off this episode recapping the two teams that are going to be going to the super bowl in a couple weeks so pad why don't you kick us off on the championship game recap yeah so starting off with the game that was first uh on the day sunday that was the nfc championship game taking place between the tampa bay buccaneers and the green bay packers where tampa bay won by the final score of 31 to 26 uh tom brady 20 of 36 for 280 yards passing three touchdowns three interceptions Aaron Rodgers, 33 of 48 for 346 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, do we start with a third down? Do we go there? Do we? <laughs> yeah, this this game was wild. I mean, I don't really know what uh, Green Bay was necessarily doing because early on it looked like they were just lost, especially in the red zone. Mm. Um you know, Rodgers missed a wide open uh, Valdez Scanlon yeah. uh, on an underneath route that he forced uh, to Devontae Adams. Uh, or, yeah, right? I want to say it was Devontae. I yeah. believe it was Devontae. And, Adams. Um, you know, it's just, I, I don't, you know, I don't get it. I, I don't know what Green Bay was doing. Um, and for Tampa Bay, I mean, they've been playing really good football. Yeah. Like, I mean, you talk about getting hot going into a. Um, into a Super Bowl run and what you kind of look for out of a team. And it's exactly what Tampa Bay is doing right now, playing great defensively and playing good enough offense that they can get by a game. I think this was just a case of, you know, Green Bay stumbled a little bit out of the out of the gate, whereas Tampa Bay didn't. I mean, you see this if you've ever run a race against a friend and, the, and you know, your friend gets a perfect start off the line, but, you know, you're running on grass, you're running on concrete or something, your foot, you know, your right foot slips just a little bit to just stumble a little bit, and you keep going, you're, and that's enough for your friend to win. You know, Tampa Bay came out the gate, and they had, what, like three uh, third-down conversions on their first drive? Big conversions. Huge. Too. You know, so coming out the gate 7 nothing after the first quarter, I think it was just a case of Tampa Bay played near-perfect football. Obviously not entirely perfect, three interceptions. Not in the second half. Right. Yeah. You know, near-perfect football, but enough perfect football at the beginning where it was enough for them to build that separation where Green Bay just, at the end, wasn't able to make the comeback. They came out of the gate cold, Green Bay that I think that Tampa Bay, with Tom Brady at the leadership role, knew what they needed to do. The fact that they got multiple third-down conversions and kept Aaron Rodgers off the field 
was the story of the game. Yeah, uh, Tampa Bay, 9 of 14 on third down conversions. And especially they were not small gains. It wasn't like no. a 3 and 1. They were getting about 15 to 20 yards per third down. It was absolutely atrocious, the performance by the Green Bay secondary. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I know I've been getting online about this, and somebody's saying, well, no, it's not necessarily their fault. One player in particular had the worst game possible, and that was Kevin King. Yeah. He looked absolutely lost out there. I mean, it's that's tough wide receivers to go against. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not like he's going against, you know, schlums. Like, you're yeah. going against two yeah. of arguably the top ten wide receivers in all of the NFL. Yeah. Plus, you got to deal with Gronk. Plus, you yeah. got to deal with Brate. It's not an easy footing. It I mean, w- and also that Green Bay defense is nothing to write home about. Right, and they hadn't been all year. I mean, that Rams game, they were just lucky that they, you know, had a Rams team that was missing Cooper Cup and, you know, obviously the broken thumb of Goff. So, I mean, that to me was the biggest factor there. Oh, it, right. played, it played factors, but King's performance in that game, obviously he got burnt badly in the first by Mike Evans. Yeah. That he did the leap too early. Yeah. But I don't really fault him necessarily for that one. I do fault him, though, for the Scotty Miller touchdown at the end of the first half. Yeah, they were oh, yeah. they were breaking that down on uh, Get Up on ESPN. Uh, one of the commentators used to be a defensive back, and he's like, that's the most just am- like just dumb bonehead move you can do as a veteran uh, as a veteran corner with time expiring to let the guy a get inside leverage on you mm-hmm. and then b not be deeper than him on a route that you knew given the time the situation timeout you know everything uh you know going into that 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 very scenario and to let him get inside leverage on you and get over the top of you was just egregious they were saying yeah and it was because you saw him and the telling point was when he was running and Scotty Miller passed him he was Arms flailing. It looked like a, right. one of those comedy movies that he's running trying to chase like the train that's flying past him to jump on. It was just an abysmal performance by him, and I hate to be so critical, but it is what it is because right there is 14 points Yep, that technically shouldn't have happened. I mean, the, the one I could see with Mike Evans, he jumped too early. Yeah, I'm not going to fault him about that. Yeah. One. That one, okay, maybe a timing issue, misjudge it, sure. But that Scotty Miller one, that you, you can't let that happen. You need to at least knock him out of bounds or at least jam him at the line that you couldn't let him go past you because the minute he was a foot past, he looked lost out there. And I think he was expecting more safety help, and he wasn't getting it. Yeah, I mean, who knows the specific calls of that coverage, but, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're – if you know, you don't know the time and situation scenario that's going into that play, then, you know, you shouldn't be playing football. Like, you, you know, even if you thought you had safety help – you still need to be. You still need to be deeper than him with that little time left on the clock because that touchdown really was the go ahead for Tampa Bay going into the halftime. Oh, absolutely, Pat. Yeah, and and you can't really even chalk it up to being you know kind of that rookie. Oh, it's your first NFC Championship game. Kevin King, it's his uh, draft in the, the twenty seventeen NFL draft, so he's been around long enough and been in enough high pressure situations that you should be used to it. Yeah, I mean it was just a throwaway play, no pun intended, but you got to be paying attention for that. Because that was the momentum shift. The fact that Tampa Bay put up seven that late to end the first half. And it was a jump out first half, too. 21-10 at half. So the fact they came out of the gate swinging early, too, in the third quarter. Yeah. Albeit, though, Aaron Rodgers did come back because he is Aaron Rodgers. I also want to point out to Kevin King, uh, sir, you are six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, Scotty Miller, you are 5'9", 174. You got the height and size advantage. I, enough said. Yeah, there. but I mean, that's... 
that's different when you're running side by side on a route. Like if it's you know press coverage, like the jump ball error where he just mm-hmm. mistimed it. Like, yeah. dude, use your height. You know, get into Mike Evans' face, play him. You know, body him up like you would in basketball. But you know, on a deep route like that, you just got to run. He just got burned. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. That's, I mean, that's really yeah. what it is. That's the thing. But he needed to be better about making sure he didn't get burned on that one. But it is what it is. But the story of the second half was Aaron Rodgers, who did lead the team back. Yep. Albeit though. The question that will be judged throughout throughout time, time through the rest of his career, is the question of late in the fourth quarter. They are within points of tying. Yep. Yeah, they're what on the 16, 17-yard line, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the coach decides to say... Le Fleur. Le Fleur. Decides to say, let's go for a field goal. Now, I will just ask you both gentlemen, what would you have done in that situation? Because I know my call. I mean, so here's the thing. Or no, they were closer. They were within the 13. And so it's kind of tough because, like, there's two schools of thought here. You know, there's the gunsling coach, the, you know, the, the I've got stones, you know, the Andy Reid style, mm-hmm. fourth and one, going to go for it to clinch, you know, a playoff game at home when, you know, the obvious choice was the punt. Or then there's the new school analytic you know, break down and like when you really break down the scenario, the the red zone obviously is called the red zone because it is, it it's tighter, it's tougher to score. So when you're talking about a, um, a fourth down play where the goal it was fourth and goal, and your tu- the touchdown is your first down, right? So you can't convert, you have to score so or it's the bust. Eight. They were at the eight. They're at line. the eight. Okay, so you have to score or it's bust, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and you have all your timeouts. You have the two minute warning. Um, you know, it's a lot easier just to say, all right, let's take the initial points and let's get them on defense. Now, on the X factor of this, you have arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in history, one of the greatest wide receivers in all of the NFL. I mean, he's top five. If Mike Evans and Godwin are top ten, mm-hmm. he's a top five in Adams. Um, and you have that threat down there that you can always get him open by look by different, you know, variations of play calling. I feel like you have to go for, especially when you consider the fact that your defense has done dinky do. Even though they've had three turnovers, you know, the last three out of what five possessions probably at that point, I still feel like you have to go for the the, the touchdown because when you go for the field goal, not only are you taking momentum away from yourself, but you're also pinning them deep at their own eight yard line. Worst case scenario. Yeah. So you know, worst case scenario, you pin them deep. You know, it's much harder for them to get out of their red zone or out of their uh, own end zone uh, to try and make a first down because they have to call their plays a little bit different because now they're pressed up against, you know, a safety possibility. So I, in that school of thought, I feel like you have to go for it. But them kicking the field goal and getting the points, I understand. Because you have all your timeouts and the two-minute warning. I understand going for it uh, at that point. The score was uh, 31-23 uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, and right before we got the last set of downs, uh, Rodgers had completed a short pass to Devontae Adams for 11 yards, which put it at the 8-yard line. So on first and goal, uh, Rodgers had an incomplete shotgun pass to up, up the middle to Alan Lazard. You know, I think it went over his head or something like that. He missed it. Right. Uh, second and goal, shotgun pass went incomplete uh, up the middle to Devontae Adams. These were like lasers. He was just firing these out of the cannon. Mm-hmm. Third and eight, uh, he shotgun pass was in, went incomplete uh, to Devontae Adams again. So right there, Rodgers threw three lasers, two of them to Devontae Adams, who's a great core, uh, wide receiver, 
all three of them went incomplete. I think at that point, so at that point, I understood, all right, we just tried three lasers of a friggin' pass up up the end zone, didn't get them. They don't exactly have a tight end that's a Kelsey, a Kittle, or a Gronk in their prime where you can just run a goal line fade, heave it up, and they're going to come down with it. They just don't, mm. you know. So I I understand going for the points because it, it the field goal because at that point okay we stop them on four we stop them on their next possession and, and we just need a touchdown to win we don't need a touchdown plus some shenanigans you know we don't got to worry about it but the issue with that is is you didn't know that the the holding penalty would come back to bite you in the ass and essentially take it out of your hands should you have at least gone for it I can understand it but I understand taking the field goal and taking the points and putting yourself. In now hindsight, obviously 2020, oh, you, the holding penalty, they didn't know that at the time. They just tried three laser passes to the end zone. All three of them went incomplete. All right, listen, we ain't got it now. Let's try again. Let's stop them on defense and come back and do it again. My call would have been to go for it, and this is why. I do see your points. I'm not saying that they are wrong. This is just something that we're going to just be debating till next season when the playoffs resume again. Oh, I mean, I, I would have gone for it too. Yeah. I just, I got the play. I got yeah. why they did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I say, yeah. I would have gone for it because at the end of the day, you still have Aaron Rodgers, arguably the MVP of the league, and you got to let him win that game for you. Right. I understand that they want to get the points and with all the timeouts, but that's just too much uncertainty. And worst-case scenario, if they went for it that late in the game, they would have pinned Tampa Bay deep in that. Yeah, end. you got yeah. them at the 8-yard yeah. line. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, so it's better than a kickoff anyway. So it's like, what do you have to lose? Because in this situation, you got to stop them anyway regardless. So you have to try going for those points. you got Aaron Rodgers. you got to let him have it. And I – didn't agree with Lafleur about that. I understand his reasoning for it, but I just think at that situation, you've got the MVP of the league. You got to let him try winning that. The problem is, is the analytics people, those guys. You know, they they break it down too much instead yeah. of just going gut feeling. Because I mean, obviously, Andy Reid would have gone for it. You know, yeah, like right, those those right, kind of guys. Right. You know, the I mean, the Tom Coughlin's, the the. Uh, Holmgren, I would have thought, you know, would probably go for it. Parcel, like those Belichick, you know, yeah. those guys would have said, "Let's do it." You I know. I think the reason that I'm looking at the play-by-play here on ESPN.com, you know, or at least the, what happened on each on each dr- drive, I think the reason Lafleur might have gone with that is, okay, yeah, Tampa Bay got a field goal to put it 31-23. The three pr- prior possessions in a row when Tampa Bay had the ball, interception, interception. Interception. Oh, so oh, yeah. three in a row. I so thought it was three had, out of no, five. No, they had, they had three. Brady yeah, threw three, three picks in a row. Well, so LaFleur's sitting there going, hey, listen, our defense ain't great, but we just outside the field goal, we just picked them off three times in a row. But the fact they couldn't convert, that's another telling story, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then listen, I mean, just three interceptions in a row was just a couple of those throws were just bad throws. They were, I mean, they, they, were, they were lame ducks. Yeah, I mean, this is not anything where it was your defense. And I think LaFleur knew that. I think he knew you know, my defense can't stop them. We need to put points on the board and hope, you know, that our timeouts work and they run the ball, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's a tough call to make, but that late in the game, I would have gone for it and just put it in Rodgers' hands yeah. and then said, okay, whatever's going to happen. And now we got you at the eight-yard – worst case, we got you at the eight-yard line. Get out of there. Exactly. Yep. And if your defense is playing as well as they were, 
And they got those turnovers, which, like I say, are very skeptical because everybody's focusing. Well, Brady didn't have a great game. Listen, Brady just threw some stuff up. Yeah, he. I mean, it was late. Yeah, he was throwing them deep. And honestly, yeah, he had a couple deep passes. I want to say shaky. this too. I don't think he was worried about getting intercepted. As crazy as that sounds, no, he just heaved those because they oh, were they yeah. were just out of nowhere. Just he wanted to get rid of the ball, it, which I'm. I just thought it was so puzzling, especially because it's him. And yeah, with Brady, but I think honestly he wasn't scared of the Packers' defense. As crazy as that sounds, but the fact the Packers did get the decide to go for the field goal that was a telling point that took the wind out of the sails. And then when Brady and company got the ball back, one of the worst timings, yeah, for a penalty. I'm not Tough. saying the pen- penalty was wrong because it was right. It's, it's, it was right, but when you're swallowing the whistle for the entire goddamn yeah, that's... game up to that point, and you waited so goddamn long to the point where. Uh, the play was over. Well, like the, play, the play was over, and Joe Buck was even set on on the game. I thought I was gonna say something, but I was waiting on them to say anything. He's like, even Joe Buck was like, "Yeah, that that took a long time." Yeah, that was an egregious amount of time to let go by before you decided to go call pass interference. I mean, my problem is like Pat said, all game you call it one way, you know, yeah. and like yeah. all let right. him play. You know, did the is is the shirt being pulled and it you yes. know he a foot or two behind? Yes, absolutely. But I mean, did that dictate the his ability to make a play on the ball? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this, no. this, like, yeah. this is an umpire in baseball calling the strikes on one way for you know eight and a half innings, and all of a sudden you get into the bottom of the ninth when your team is down a run with a man on second and third, and all of a sudden he starts deciding to call that strikes uh, that ball he's been calling low the entire time. Oh yeah, no, that, now that's a strike. Yeah, it's just one of those timing issues that should have been called. Well, it just you, you could have, but it's at the same time though you let stuff like that slide all game. The problem is is consistency. Yeah, exactly. like that's I mean referees like that's I I never have like when I'm coaching like a CYO game I never have a gripe when the game is going and you can tell that the the play of game is going both ways with calls. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you on your end you know have a clear you know charge. Right, that they all game would call block, and then all of a sudden, you know, they call charge on you, and it's like, oh my god, like it's the consistency yeah. of yeah. that stuff. That's yeah. what drives me nuts. So, for all game, for them, for the ticky tack hand checking that they were doing mm-hmm. on routes and everything, and then all of a sudden to say because he grabbed a jersey, it's like, I mean, had he not stretched it so far and made it so obvious, they might not have. But, like, when you see the image, the paused still of him, like, three yards away yeah. and the jersey out that far, you're like, when you look at it in that context, you're like, if they had not called it, everybody would have been like, how do, you, how do you not call that? Like, look at it, He's tugging his jersey. But then on the flip side of it, when you watch it live and your n- initial gut reactions, like, come on. Like, yeah. I mean, he let go of it pretty quick. Like, eh. Was it enough to really factor in the play? Yeah, I, I mean, say, no. I, I did not think so, but... I just thought it was very suspect about the timing because of the consistency, like you touched on. Right, and that, then the other thing too is that the flag came in five, so like late. five minutes so after late the from play a was line done. Coach, those yeah, the yeah, line I mean, that was not dude, even they were to play. they were literally getting ready to huddle. Like Tampa Bay was all circling around, like looking at each other, like I don't see the flag yet, but like what? And then Green Bay's in the defensive huddle, yeah, and then all of a sudden the flag comes, and they like look back and they're like, ah, shit, like yeah, like what are you gonna do now? But that sealed the fate for Green Bay. So now Tom Brady pulls off the big win at Lambeau and is on his way to another Super Bowl. An at-home Super Bowl. At-home Super Bowl, Which is fun. Which is a lot of fun. 
It is fun. I listen. I think it's great. Like I, I've always waited for it. I've always cheered for it to happen. You know, the one where the Giants were at the Super Bowls at MetLife. I, I knew that they didn't have a chance, but I was like, that would be really cool to see the home team be, you know, a, the the host team. Like that would be a ton of fun to me. And now we get to see it. Well, we're definitely going to see it. I don't know what's going to be for Brady's future. Should he win? Because I can see there, there, he will be back. He's not. He's playing too well to. No, I understand that, but to, I mean, what what better way to write off in the sunset is if you win a Super Bowl on your home. He field? doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he say never. Though. He has his his thing is age. He's yeah. got a number in his head that he wants to play till, and it's forty five. And, and and even I'm starting to notice being the Patriots guy and watching for so many years. Some of those deep balls don't travel as well as they used That's to. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, yeah, they're lame ducks. They were all yeah, year. We all yeah. year we said this. Oh, it was the same thing with Drew Brees. They but, can't throw anymore. But I'm thinking. If he wins, this might be a swan song out. I'm not saying it's a definite, but I'm I like, will disagree with you very adamantly. What? He has 45 in his age and, or in his in his mindset. Well, we can definitely disagree about it. We'll just have to wait and see because there's still one other game to be left to be played. And for Green Bay, a lot of questions. Obviously, the talk was Aaron Rodgers wasn't committing to his future, but he did come out today on Pat McAfee's show and uh, kind of put out some of those fires. Save a little face. Yeah. I'm bullshit. Yeah. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. There's You're... a vacancy up in Foxborough. There's also a lot of places with vacancies. Well, let's listen. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, Rodgers with McDaniel's play calling? Can you imagine? I mean, if he had wide receivers there, <laughs> yeah. running back, I'll tell you, I'll tell you <laughs> and this. offensive line, <laughs> and tight ends. Well, they got a decent offensive line. How is this there? for a scary scenario? <laughs> Him in Dallas. Oh, jeez. Ah, I don't give a shit. No, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. No, no. If any anybody else is coaching that team, yes. McCarthy's there? No. No, I'm more worried about him in San Francisco with that wide receiver core. Yeah, that could be dangerous too. A lot of questions he's, for Green Bay. Dude, though. he's he is one foot out the door. I get he will I there's no way. Like there you cannot have a thirty what seven year old coach, you know, who's his third, second year when you already my, for mind you, all the controversy from the year before when mm-hmm. it was alleged he wasn't even listening to play calls yeah. and completely ignoring them, to then this year outright saying he was audible and out of calls, to then this on the sideline plus the post-game reaction, plus the draft pick of Jordan Love? Come on. No, I definitely agree that I think the writing was on the wall. I know he did a safe face, but... Right. We still gotta wait to see what. Happens I just wanted to get season. that out of oh, you. Yeah. I wanted to hear you say that it was not actually. It was a safe face move. It was not like him. No, like to... I said, he he did put out fires today. But I'm saying, is it is it saying the fire is definitely gonna be put out forever? No. I mean, no, there's still a spark. I don't see the that, fire out. That's the thing. I think he did it. His the GMs are all putting up a good face. We'll have to see at the draft because I fully think if any team is gonna make a move, whether it's Houston with Deshaun Watson. Whether it's Green Bay, whether it's Detroit with Matt Stafford, that's going to be the time frame we see it. So we'll just have kind of the way seeing how yeah. the cards shape out with that. I mean, draft picks will be involved. Right. I mean, there's no way what the you know Watson or Rodgers go without a first pick. Oh yeah, that's why I say so, like we'll see multiple around, firsts. Yeah, we'll see around draft time because I think the team is definitely going to find their next franchise guy because one of those quarterbacks is moving, if not all of them. Yeah, so, I mean, Garoppolo's also names being tied to. There's all, so many yeah. names getting mentioned right now. One name, though, that is not getting mentioned is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 
because he is locked and loaded, leading Kansas City to another Super Bowl appearance. Pad? Yeah, so for the AFC Championship, we had the Buffalo Bills uh, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, where they are contractually obligated to only play each other in this game once every 27 years. Don't believe me, look up the records. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City won by the final score of 38-24. to 24. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 29-38 of 38 for 325 yards passing. Uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Josh Allen, 28, uh, 28 of 48 for 287 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Coach, your thoughts? <clears throat> Fucking Tyreek Hill, man, is a goddamn cheat code. Ooh. Yeah. Dude, Ooh. I mean, I obviously, I had him in that fantasy game against Tampa Bay, and I like I saw the numbers, and it was like awe-shocking, but like I didn't watch the game as tight because I was doing stuff. I mean, I watched this game pretty much start to finish. <sighs> I mean, you can't you can't double him. Nope. Because you can't, you can't triple him. You can't. Well, yeah, you can't commit that many guys to him. You you can't single cover him because he's just gonna blow by you. You can't zone him because he'll find the soft spot in the zone. You can't blitz Mahomes to try and get him off his timing because he's just gonna get around that. Like Tyreek Hill is literally such an X factor that I mean I don't see as well as Tampa Bay's playing defensively. You can't stop him. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, I mean, the whole, you can't even hope to, con- like, you have to contain about that bullshit. You can't even do that. Like, you just have to pray that he scores fast enough that it leaves enough time on the clock for you to go and score. Yeah. Because that's the only way. Because Buffalo did that. They mm-hmm. tried to have an arms race with Kansas City, which is, I mean, the only move that you can do. But it's not the right move. I mean, the only move is what the Raiders did, and that is pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. Kill Bring the play clock down to one-tenth of a second and then snap it. Because <laughs> yeah. that's all you can do. Pat? No, yeah, this was definitely a game that you knew it was going to be a shootout. You knew this was, you know, old Wild West, you know, high noon shootout. But, no, Coach was right about Tyreek Hill. Nine catches, 172 yards passing, uh, no, uh, no touchdowns. So, okay, try and shut him down. Well, fucking hell, Travis Kelsey, 13 catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Okay, shut him down, Marcus Hardman. <laughs> I know, and, and this mm-hmm. and, and this offense is going to give uh, Tampa Bay fits. They already did because <laughs> yeah. Who the hell do you who the hell do you cover? Shut down Kelsey. All right, you got to deal with Tyreek Hill. Shut down Tyreek Hill. All right, you got to deal with Kelsey. God forbid. Now, Sammy Watkins didn't play in this game. He, uh, he was questionable uh, he, with a calf injury. Uh, but according to uh, ESPN's Diana Rossini, uh, he's expected to be ready to play for Super playing Super Bowl uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, the same can be said with Le'Veon Bell. He's listed as questionable currently, yeah. but is expected to be able to play in the Super Bowl. So okay, D- cover double cover Tyreek Hill. All right, now you got to deal with Sammy Watkins. All right, and, and you just add more weapons. That as good as Tampa Bay's defense is, this is a hydra. This is okay. Okay, you take off. It's facts. You take off one head. Two more pop up. You take off another one. Two more pop up. You just can't stop that. The, the crazy thing is too is that teams were calling about Hardman mm-hmm. because they just they didn't have the room to use him right. because at the time Watkins was healthy and, right. and Kelsey was there. Uh, they had you know obviously Tyreek Hill and they had another wide receiver that was ahead of Hardman on the depth chart and they teams tried to pull. Like, they were offering, like, picks, you know? And Kansas City didn't move on knowing what was coming. And <laughs> good thing. No, Kansas yeah. City definitely drew up a great playbook on both sides of the ball. Offensively, it was going to be, okay, who can you shut down? Kelsey or Hill? You did a good job about slowing, to a degree, Kelsey down. 
Okay. To a degree. If you want to say that. That's how you well, want to call it that. I mean, if you want yeah, that's like me. 15 targets, 13 catches. He averaged 9.1 right. yards a catch. Well, yeah. like I say, to a degree, because he was the one to take the game over. Even though he did get the two touchdowns, it was all Tyreek Hill. And that was one thing that I feared with how Leslie Frazier calls that defense, because he did the soft zone, which wasn't the worst idea to do. But the problem is when you have Tyreek Hill burning your corners oh, yeah. and already yeah. flying past your safeties, who's going to catch up to him? And that's the thing. Kelsey, like I say, they didn't slow they slowed him to a degree, and I want to stress that to a degree. Because I was expecting him to have two hundred yards. I legitimately was, because of how bad the Bills play against the tight ends. When, yeah, when but Jack when Jack Doyle takes over games, what do you think Travis Kelsey was going to do? Yeah, but I mean I I guess it's a different scenario because those are two different players. Like Kelsey doesn't do the stuff that Jack Doyle does necessarily as far as like route running because mm. Kelsey's there not necessarily as a safety valve, but he's not running you know twenty to twenty five yard up the seam type plays. Like he's there running the you know twelve to fifteen yard intermediate route where you know if Mahomes gets on the outside, you know he's coming back to the ball, which. Now, don't tell. I'm not saying that Kelsey can't run those, right. no, no, you know, those you. post routes or, or or flag routes, but I'm just saying like his initial job is as a safety valve because the other wide receivers are pew, yeah, up the field. They're just running streaks. So, like I say, for the Bills, you can say they slowed him down, but like I say, it's only to a degree. I don't say they. No, I mean you can say that they yeah, slowed him yeah, down. Yeah. Pat and I are saying not no, so much. No, no. <laughs> I, I would not call 118 yards <laughs> slowing him down. I say I say it slowed down because it wasn't 200. That's no, what I was, I was hearing. So I, I mean, we were watching, and, and I don't. Aaron was talking about the fight and how you were giving her shit for Ohio State, and she was like, "I want to give Ken shit." For the Buffalo game. Oh, I did and not I was initiate like, that, my yeah, friend. Let's, well, let's not get it twisted. And I, I wanted to be like, I, I said to her, I go, you can't, though, because it's two totally different things because Alabama and Kansas City aren't even playing football. Right. Like, they are literally people. These teams are playing checkers, and they are out there playing chess. Mm-hmm. And it's double-tier chess. Like, not even just the single chess. They're playing the double stacker where you've got three different levels oh, of yeah, chess. Yeah, like, yeah. they are next-level Time on each of them, all individually timed. They are playing some other level bullshit. It is insane to watch. And I'm all the credit in the world to Buffalo because good for them for getting here. This is going to be the team, though, that they need to beat. Uh-huh. Like, you know, the Pistons, you know, the oh, Pistons yeah. and the Bulls, where Jordan had to beat the Pistons to get to the finals. This is the same shit that Buffalo is going to face for the next 10 years. This could very easily be the next iteration of the Brady-Manning matchup that we saw so yeah. many so many times and met, met up in the AFC Championship game so many times that this could be your new iteration. I'm not doubting that, and I'm not saying this as a Bills fan, but I'm saying that I do agree with you completely that the Bills even came out today in the later press conferences. Sean McDermott says, that's the team we need to match up with. That's yeah. our benchmark. Oh, yeah. Like they came out and said, Josh Allen said the same thing too. So the Bills understand what's ahead of them, and they know they definitely need to do some work. One area that they definitely was hurting in, and this definitely showed, was the run game because they started off with Singletary, and he yeah. was gone. Like I don't know if he got hurt. I didn't even hear anything. And all of a sudden, T.J. Yeldon's running. Right. Which, let's face it, not really going to do that much to move the needle. No. I mean, they did have to mix up a little bit, but one thing that Steve Spagnola's defense did is you jammed the wide receivers of the Bills, and Brian Devil's play calling didn't get them free to cover. So that ultimately slowed everything down for a Bills offense that was used to having at least one wide receiver getting open. Well, the, the other problem was, too, is unlike Baltimore, where they were still committed to stopping the run, mm-hmm. Kansas City didn't give a shit. 
they they were like run the ball like yeah. they were they were openly you know they are three man fronts you know very seldomly using four man fronts uh you know blitzes were coming off the edge you know basically inviting you to hey if you want to let TJ Elden run up the or uh, why yeah TJ or Yeldon run up the middle go ahead you know to me you know what I if I'm Buffalo yeah I'm committing to we need to get a run game going yeah. this this offseason whether it's you know signing somebody or you know if Najee Harris falls that late in the draft as far as being you know one of the better running backs coming out of college this year yeah, I mean, you have to go that route. They have to look at that. Yeah, Zach Moss. I'm not sure is going to be the guy. He he's showed, not. <laughs> he showed no. that he could be an adequate depth chart guy. No, he's I'm, he's definitely a serviceable, uh, you know, short yardage type situation kind of guy. You like you yeah. need a third down conversion or even a fourth down conversion. You're right at the goal line. You need to punch it in. He's that. Yeah, guy. yeah. No, they definitely need to do some upgrades there, and they definitely need to upgrade on the offensive line too. I mean, they did have some injuries, so it's like. Yeah, I mean, obviously the run game is only so good as your offensive line is too. So that's, you know, catch-22. But, I mean, to say that, though, I mean, the Giants have – are you know not a great offensive line? They could still run the ball, so it's like it's a commitment too. You oh know? yeah, well that was one thing that Dabble went away from because Josh Allen was utilizing what he does best, which is like if a play breaks down, he runs. Albeit though, in this game, going back yeah. easy there, Pad. I know he's getting a little emotional about it's, the game yeah, here. It's so. all right. Uh, it's one of those situations where when he went back to try scrambling and try getting a play out of something, when there was nothing there. He was taking awful sacks. Yeah, and, yeah, he and, was. And He's got a. I mean, there was that one where they were inside the red zone, mm-hmm. where he like did that little float. Yeah, and it was like no, they marked it as a ten yard loss. It was like you gotta throw. Like yeah, he's deliberately throw the ball away. I mean, don't even let the referees question whether you did or didn't. You know. Yeah. But like I say, for the, what the Bills did, they got nothing to hang their head about, and they're still a very young team. Like, oh yeah, that, that's the one thing that people were already writing them off. Like I was already hearing about. The Bills haters are a chirping like, "Oh, that was their one shot and they're done." It's like you don't seem to realize that this is Josh Allen's third year. Same thing with Sean McDermott. Right, you're still learning how to do those. You still got digs under contract. Yeah, you like st- you, you still have the weapons there. The only ones you got to lock up a little bit. I'm sure will get taken care of, and you definitely need to make some upgrades on the offensive line. And we need a true number one. Singletary isn't that guy. Yeah. So when, you, when your leading rusher for the entire season, regular season and postseason, is Josh Allen by two yards at 88. Yeah. And your other and your second place was Singletary uh, week eight against New England where it was 86. Mm-hmm. You need an upgrade. I mean, not even just to say that. I mean, I, I, I think the secondary, too, is something that they need yeah. to look at yeah. as far as corners because, uh, I mean, you can't trust – uh, the who's the guy that fought? What, what Wallace and Norman? Yeah, you can't. I mean, Norman at this point is not you know fast no. enough to keep up with some of these. And if you're gonna match up with Kansas City, it's got to be speed versus speed. Yeah, I mean, Tre'Davious White was having a, a real tough time with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, but who wasn't on that team? Right, and, and yeah, I mean, like, listen, I'm not saying like you need to go out and get like Deion Sanders 2.0. You're not going to find that, but you got to at least get somebody comparable. Yeah, where you can go out there and say, all right, I know that they have the advantage in this matchup, but I feel comfortable in knowing that if we need to make a tackle in the open field, 
my corner can do it because that's what was missing. Yeah, you you need a guy who can slow him down. You're not going to find a guy who was able to stop him. Nobody's going to be able to stop Kelsey right. or Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. But you need a guy who can slow him down because what it was looking like on the field was Tyree Kill was looking like a Lamborghini at mock speed, whereas the guy who defended him looked like he was driving a moped. I mean, uh, Gil- driving a moped. I mean, Gilmore as great as he is in New England. Yeah, couldn't yeah. slot. Can't, yeah. can't slow down Tyree. Kill. No, I mean, in fact, Tyree Hill should have been over 200 yards because he dropped that one that he was yeah. about 70 yards. Like I say, for what the Bills did on defense, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad that both Kelsey and Hill didn't have over 200 yards. Sure. That's why I say I take the slow to a degree All for right. Kelsey. But I do admit they got burned. I mean, they got they got absolutely destroyed. And Leslie Frazier's defensive scheming. Needs to learn the phrase <sighs> second-half adjustments. No, he, like <laughs> I, I I don't know if he's too focused on the Houston head coaching job or what. Like I don't know. There was just something about. There's somebody who actually wants that job? No, between him and Benemy. Oh, which oh yeah, I mean I don't I don't I the, I the fact that they're waiting this long to name somebody obviously means that they're chasing some coordinator from one of these two well, teams. Well, that's so. what I'm thinking. It's got to be Benemy, which would yeah. be the smart move to do for Houston. I, I know they're going to lose Deshaun Watson either way, but it's a smart move. Yeah, and Benemy, you can see what he does with this team that he has put together this motion-led offense that you can't stop. It's the well, you can call it the Hydra offense. No, we'll, I mean we'll give credit pad for that one. I mean honestly, you know when I watch their offense, I, it just reminds me of you know the innovation, the creativity, the flow. You know what what Alabama does. Yeah, like I mean yeah. I watched yeah. obviously I watched that Notre Dame game and I saw Alabama doing shit that like. I was like, what the like? It was so outside the box, and that's what Kansas City does. I mean, that motion with Kelsey and that little underhand flip, you know, with uh, Patrick Mahomes where that he's dropping nuts. back. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, it looks like it's a full drop back, and then the next thing you know, he's doing this underhand shuffle. You know, uh, uh, essentially just a shovel pass, but you know, with his own flair, playing fucking hacky uh, beanbag toss. Yeah, with uh, you know Kelsey able to just walk into the end zone. I mean, in the way that they motion, yeah, the way that they motion. You know, it, it obviously, the mo- do- so the motion thing does two things. One, it establishes whether the defense is playing man to man or zone, mm. and then two, depending on matchups and schemes also can throw a team off of their matchup because if you send a guy like what Green Bay does with Adams, if you send a guy halfway across the field, you know, assignments might change, matchups might change, but then you bring him back the other way, the defense blows up. You know, it just it, it, literally it just implodes because mm-hmm. they don't know who's got who. And the creativity that Kansas City has, it's just it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. So, I mean, it's kudos to Benemy, and I think that any team that still needs a head coach would be foolish to pass him up for what he's bringing there. Yeah, I mean, him, I mean, and listen, and Dabble, too. I mean, really, what Buffalo gained out of this, though, is that he was too tied up to interview for jobs, mm-hmm. and teams are too impatient to wait because them retaining Dabble was huge. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> huge, it's huge for them retaining him. Frazier, I don't know. Like I, I don't like how he comes out the second half, and they immediately got burnt the first time they came out the second half. Yeah, I mean, listen. Like as far as that goes, the defensive coordinator position, you know, as uh, second half adjustments can be so difficult because you go in with a game plan, and especially you know when a team is as good as Kansas City is mm-hmm. to to make any sort of adjustment, it's like. What really are you going to change? Well, you know what I mean. Like you just, you almost just have to to batten down the hatches and just kind of lay and pray. You know. 
Well, like I say, they didn't do that at all. I mean, they gave up, what, 21 unanswered, and then they they did go for the three points, which I know fans were going crazy online about McDermott kicking that. It was still early. It was dumb. They had to take the points. They had to take yeah. the points. The offense wasn't doing anything at that point. Not, it, it, not it, to mention you're kicking off to start that quarter, so all you're doing is kicking off twice. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you just take the points. Ex- exactly. It was a smart move it's to the same, there. It's the same shit I do in Madden. Like, if I'm in that same position, yeah, I'm frustrated that I'm kicking a field goal, but you, you take the points, and then you go into yeah. halftime. Also, no offense to Josh Allen. He's good. He ain't no Aaron Rodgers. Well, exactly. At that stage, they weren't, well, not yet. They weren't getting yeah. anywhere yeah. with it. I mean, I, I didn't fault them for doing that at all. And then I saw Bills fans were going crazy about them. Like, stop. Yeah, I mean, that's all armchair. That's all. That's all. But the problem is, especially with you Bills, you fans, it's all gut. You know, it's all, yeah. you know, it's all initial reaction. It's all heat of the moment. It's not, you know, removing yourself from it, thinking, all right, you know, the points here are kind of the right move going into halftime. If it's the fourth quarter, fucking go home. Well, well that's you know? the, the fourth quarter when they kicked the field goal. I thought they should have gone for it because yeah. that's that's the whole thing. Like, what do you have to lose at this? Right state? at that point, you got to go for it. You're not saving face by you know kicking a field goal and and you know instead of being a 14 point deficit, now it being an 11. Yeah, you know. But like I say, they had small victories here, and I thought for being in the AFC Championship game for the first time in since '93, they did put on a. Good performance, but Kansas City's light years ahead of everybody. No, it's I mean, it's, it's it's literally it's what it boils down to. I yeah. mean, listen, I just said I know Tampa Bay as good as defensively they played. They played this Kansas City team and they thrashed them. So what is better, me and, and uh, Andy Reid and uh, Spagnuolo going to ch- chalk up this time? I mean, first off, Spagnuolo is already the kryptonite Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So I mean that you got that to ride on, and the fact that. They are just going to – I mean, they're literally going to be so prepared for this game and X's and O's wise that Tampa Bay is not going to know what hit them. Exactly. That I fully see Tyreek Hill and Kelsey getting 200 yards I'm, plus that game. The, the, no, the crazy thing is, is I literally think that Tampa Bay is going to be like, all right, we got to take him out of the game. And I think you're going to watch Travis Kelsey just have absolute monster of a game because they saw the Tyreek Hill effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? They already watched and witnessed this. I mean, he gashed them for four touchdowns and 200-some-odd yards. Like, they've seen it live. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do everything. They're going to be like, all right, we need to focus on him. He's the key. And then you're going to watch Travis Kelsey go off. Right. That's something Tampa Bay is definitely going to have to do. I mean, we'll obviously be talking about that game next week when we give our Super Bowl preview, but it's still something to see going forward. So Kansas City and Tampa Bay are going to be locked and loaded for the Super Bowl. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the championship games from this past week? And give us maybe an early Super Bowl prediction. We get them in time. We'll read them on air next week. So definitely stay tuned for that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and time to talk a little UFC. Yeah. Now, this past Saturday night. No. Oh, coach, is, coach might sit this segment out. This past Saturday night was UFC 257 live from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. We were live reacting to this on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast as soon as 
ESPN and company were up and running because there was uh, some technical difficulties yet again. Yeah. But with who was involved in the main event, we're really that shocked. I don't think we were. No, apparently ESPN was, though. Yeah, but that is something you definitely have to remember when Conor McGregor decides to grace the octagon with his presence. Love him or hate him, he moves the needle and he moves it that much. But let us break down the card and give our recap here. So we want to talk co-main and main pad? Yeah, sure. So we'll start with the co-main event, uh, which was in the lightweight division. Uh, you had Michael Chandler, newcomer to the UFC, coming over from Bellator, taking on Dan Hooker, where Michael Chandler emerged victorious with a TKO in uh, the first round, two minutes and 30 seconds into the round. Now, Coach, you were at the fights. What was your reaction seeing Michael Chandler for the first time? Dude, I mean, I was, I mean, I was preparing for him to wrestle. You know, like mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be more of a – of a slowdown, you know, not lay and pray necessarily, but I definitely thought it was going to be a slowdown, you know, drag it to the mat, side control, posture, side control, buck off, side control. You know, like I thought it was going to be that style fight. And Mm. instead, I mean, Chandler threw hands. And my God, did I walk away from this fight being like, whew, this, this, uh, here's the title contender. You know, I was very impressed with him. I hadn't heard much about him. I hadn't seen any. I hadn't seen any footage of the guy. So I went in totally blind on this guy. And I, same as coach, I was very impressed with his performance. Chandler is a Bellator staple, and if you remember last week, I said him as the underdog. That is an insult. Well, yeah, and I mean, we all, you know, you said that, and we watched it, and it was like, yeah, I mean, that's just. But it's like Rich was saying when we were watching it. You know, these Bellator guys have come over. And they've had so many guys come in with such poor first initial outings that mm-hmm. it's like now all of the Bellator guys who come over are just going to get branded with that. You know, there's no choice. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, obviously the track record for fighters coming in from outside the UFC where they've been champions has not panned out the best. But Chandler, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But Chandler is a different type of guy, and that's why I said when I when I saw this. It's like, this is kind of an insult. And for Dan Hooker, too, I don't want to say he looked scared, but he definitely looked caught up in the moment. Yeah. I Not only did he, I think he looked caught up in the moment. I just think he was so thrown off by the power. Yeah. I mean, listen, they literally, I watched all the embedded stuff. You know, like I was really, I mean, I was into it because Connor was there. Mm. And, you know, I don't, I, I watch the embedded stuff every once in a while if it comes across the timeline, but this I was really into. And, you know, Chandler had talked about, you know, this is going to be all week that, you know, this is going to be a wrestling match like Samba versus wrestling. You know, we're going to take it to the ground. We're, you know, we're going to tie each other up and, and we're going to wrestle. And, you know, we're going to see a true Samba versus uh, American wrestling style fight. So I hope fans are ready for that. So I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that. So there's no way Hooker was thinking the same thing. Like this guy's going to slugfest with me, especially given the reach. Yeah. It was definitely a wild take, but Chandler did the right thing and definitely made himself an overnight star. That oh, you saw, for sure. Oh, absolutely. You saw the UFC audience that had never seen a fight before was like, who is this guy? And then let alone cutting the wrestling-style promo Dude, at the end. Dude, top shelf. Yes. Wait, I mean, charisma out the ass. Yeah, which is something we saw in Bellator. But, it, yeah. it, but to see it translate over here is a big move, and especially he was one of the most sought-after free agents in recent memory to come to the UFC. So to jump into a very stacked lightweight division, you need to stand out, and he definitely did that. There's two things that I really I love. Not only the promo, but him flipping, you know, jumping over the fence, yeah. going, you know, where Dana White was sitting. Not saying like we all were watching the show, like, oh, he must have like, you know, I want Khabib, like I want this. No, he just said, why don't you follow me on Instagram? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, and then uh, Dana in the post fright, it was great because he was talking. He's like. 
How fucking sick are you guys seeing these dudes backflip off a cage? Yeah, because I mean, I agree he, with him. Chandler did this backflip, and we all were like, <gasps> "I thought he was gonna blow in the out." Oh my god, he landed so bad and tried to save it with that like cartwheel backflip handspring, and we were all like, "Yikes!" Yeah, yeah, stop doing it, guys. Between him and Gaethje, that's like, like the two people <laughs> I'd never want to see do that. I understand you're excited, but like, just clap for yourself. Like, it, give it, yourself the 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 champa pat on the back. Yeah, or just leap over the cage and run in the crowd. Like, you know, well, well don't do that. Well, See, I thought, don't do that. I thought <laughs> No, no, no. I thought that's what he was going to do. Well, like, yeah, and, like and, Jose Aldo style. I thought oh, all right. yeah, or yeah. even or even Connor the couple times Connor's done it. I thought that's what he was going to do and then maybe halfway through he realized, shit, I shouldn't do this. Not a good first look. Yeah, I think it was just caught up in the emotion because he's finally here. And, and say what you will, the UFC is the straw that serves the drink in the MMA world. Right. I mean, there's other organizations like One and Bellator, but let's face it, you get to the UFC, you got to make that first appearance mad. Listen, th- uh, those channel, those companies aren't charging $69 for a pay-per-view, you uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason. Exactly. So Chandler with a huge win, and then all eyes shifted to the main event. Yeah, so this one was in the lightweight division uh, between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, part two, uh, where the fight ended with Dustin Poirier defeating Conor McGregor by via TKO uh, two minutes and 32 seconds into the second round. Coach? The thoughts, views, and opinions are that of Coach Duffy and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Listener discretion is advised. I am I'm furious. I mean, I stormed out of our viewing party, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, not necessarily stormed out. Twitch.tv um, slash 607podcast to see the reaction. But I definitely left, you know, pretty hastily. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, my my initial gut thing was Connor in the first round was showing dominance. Yeah. Like old school Connor sh- forcing his will uh, on Poirier. You know, at one point, uh, Poirier scored the takedown. Connor got literally up from it in a matter of seconds. You know, maybe a couple shots did get in, but very minimal damage done. Well, and wasn't it even a, a takedown where like Connor was like still half up? Yeah, I mean, like, he, 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 he was on the ground, but like his upper half was. He still scooted up. himself to the cage pretty yeah, quick. He, he wasn't in a dominated position. Yeah, but I mean, I Poirier did land a couple shots on the ground, and you know, Connor was able to get up. And at one point in the clinch, Connor pushes Poirier and and pins him. Uh, you know, up against the cage as if it was like a little brother who had taken, you know, one of your toys that you wanted to play with away from you and, and, and boom, you know, up against the cage and was getting some shots in. I still, you know, to this minute think that Connor should have finished the fight at that point in the first round because there was times where Poirier had his hands down and Connor just backed away. I know you're going to say that he respected his power. I don't see it that way. I think Connor was, uh, was fucking toying with him was doing the John Jones style stuff where he was trying yeah. to drag this fight out. Yeah. Um I, I, I think it was a silly, you know, move because he had him. I real I I don't even give a shit. I'm gonna say this until they fight again, that he had him in the first round and just didn't finish him. And then the second round comes out and those goddamn leg kicks. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm saying I I think I my I, I texted to somebody. I will never undervalue the leg calf kick again in my life. Yeah, I, I just I'll never undervalue it. It's the greatest move in all of mixed martial arts. It is the uh, what's the Jericho fucking finisher, the elbow of doom or whatever. The Judas effect. Judas effect. It is the Judas effect of MMA. You kick somebody in the calf so hard that they can't walk, fight's over. Pat. 
No, yeah, definitely a very surprising end because I think we all had Conor McGregor winning this fight. You know, I think in, at our watch party, if you go back twitch.tv slash 607podcast, the only person in the room that had Poirier winning was Nostradogmus. Yeah, and yeah. I wonder why. Maybe because, uh, you know, he's still upset about the Cowboy getting uh, his bell rung. Yeah, I have to say he's no uh, huge fan of Conor's. Yeah, between him and Diesel, who did not make the yeah. watch party, but was very vocal on the yeah. Patreon this week. Yeah, so definitely very surprising. And I agree with coach and i think we all agreed once the fight was over connor had him he had multi you can go back and on espn plus.com you know and watch the fight over where connor had him he had a couple shots where he punched him in the head and and poirier had his bell rung a little bit now not to the point where it's like oh oh this is gonna be it this is gonna be it. but it's like oh there's a shot he's eating shots and just for whatever reason whether it's the john jones you know effect where he just wanted to drag it out and toy with him and and really showcase his skill who knows but you know i saw one person online say that they thought it was a case of just connor boxed too much that he was just too much of a boxer you know he really didn't see the mma stuff you've seen from him in the past maybe that's the case maybe it's not i'm not an expert but Connor definitely screwed the pooch on this one. He had him beat, and he let Poirier stay in it. Let's just give a quick history lesson here, though. Connor has not fought in over a year. Last fight was against Al Cerrone. Connor also, from what I saw on a tweet, hasn't won a fight in this division in quite some time. Right. He has definitely not been a dominant 155er in a long time. Dustin Poirier has not fought since Dan Hooker, if memory serves me right. Uh, which happened late last summer in a fight of the year candidate because they were absolutely beating the shit out of each other. Excuse my language. So you got to factor that out of the equation. So Conor McGregor came in, the big return fight. He's coming back. He finally got the fight he wanted. Dustin Poirier wanted the revenge fight for what happened years ago, one of the first-round knockout. So this all came down to who was hungrier and where they were at this stage in the cage. In the first round, it was primarily Connor. I gave him the first round because I thought he was working his boxing. But I do agree with you, Pad. He wasn't throwing kicks. Like, he usually throws a spinning kick here oh, and there. Yeah. Uh, granted, he did throw a couple, but yeah. not enough to be a mixed martial artist. No. He did more boxing and then threw a couple kicks in there. I also, just to jump in quick, I looked it up. Connor's last win at the lightweight division was when he beat Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight championship back in 2016. Right, because he held up the division because he wanted to go box. I right. mean, I, I don't think he looked bad at 155, though. He didn't look bad. And I thought he was strong at 155 because, obviously, Poirier came in at 156. Right. And Connor still, you know, fucking muscled him up a little bit. He was muscling him up, and then he started doing the shoulder shrug of doom there. And then... Oh, yeah, showing Dustin how it's done. Yeah. You don't... Don't copy the GOAT, all yeah, right? Yeah, him and his move there. But the one thing that I agree is he had him against the cage, and he could have finished them a couple times. Thank and, you. And I thought he should have. Now, granted, I will stay, and I'm not going to go away from my stance. Okay. I thought he's, he respected his power too much, or whatever the case was, unless Connor got into Connor's ego and just felt that he could drag him out a little bit longer and finish him later, which is a dumb move. So dumb. I just don't fucking get MMA, you know, these guys in doing that. Win the fucking fight. What are you in there for? Like, well, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Finish the motherfucker. Oh, I agree. Then they should. But you get fighters in there, like him, like yeah. John, yeah. that buy into their own hype. Dude, that John, I mean, not to sidetrack, but that John Jones Rashad Evans fight, where John was just fucking obliterating him yeah. and just kept cat and mousing him. 
for the rest of the like the next two rounds just so he could uh, you know put more dominance on it's like just finish like your your dominance is finishing the fight like who cares if it's two minutes into a fight or 30 seconds into a fight or whatever your dominance is saying i'm going to knock you out yeah and that's what they should I do can. no that's the whole thing you should when you're an elite fighter you should not have to buy into your own hype no. and drag fights out. Anderson skills Silva be, used to do this. Skills be damned. Yeah, Anderson Silva used to do this. John does this, which is, it's just mind-blowing because if you're that good of a fighter, you go in to finish a fight. Yes. Because when it goes to the judges and you lose it for whatever reason, because, hey, judges like to see weird shit. Like, what what Anisanya do for against Paulo Costa, which he didn't have to? He came in there and killed him. He came in there and he him up yeah. because he could yeah not because and it wasn't this bullshit drag out i'm gonna punish you because i know i can mm-hmm. it was no 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 you've ch- ch- chirped and now i'm going to put you in your place and it just showed the level of hunger that adesanya has even though like he is a champion sure he still wanted to finish that fight he wanted to send a message connor i feel just came in this one and thought it'd be like riding a bicycle and the old I, connor of old and just well yeah i mean into the ego. Got something but i'll chime in on that well, no i'm just i'm just looking i mean connor yeah he can get to 155 he can fight at 155 he's good fucking show up and show me something because i'm just looking when he came into the ufc he fought at the featherweight for a couple fights right uh he won the interim featherweight championship uh against chad mendez in 2015 mm-hmm. uh he won and unified the ufc featherweight championship uh lightweight uh he beat joe with jose aldo uh fought at welterweight against nate diaz a couple times his first fight because i'm going off wikipedia at lightweight was against eddie alvarez at ufc 205 okay so he's won it yeah where he won the belt there he's one and oh Came back, he did the boxing thing, he came back, lost to Habib for the UFC lightweight championship. Okay, so he's one and one. Cerrone was at welterweight. Yeah. So you can't even factor that fight in. So then he comes back and fights Poirier at lightweight, loses. He's one and two. Okay, you won one fight against, you know, Eddie Alvarez. Congratulations. Well, well the argument there though, I, I will let me give a little history on this one. Connor debuted at Featherweight, and right. that's where he fought. And he started nearing the end of those title f- shots he was getting was struggling to get to 145. Right, yeah, he was he was had tough to, cut. he had to go up to tough 155. Cut. So, it's not to say that he's a small 155er because I don't think he is. No. But I think it's a situation He's a small welterweight. He's a small welterweight. He's a walking he's a natural welterweight Right. because those guys usually cut about 20 pounds right. to get down there. And but he I mean the problem is like the Cerrone thing was different because yeah, Cerrone, Cerrone came in just not ready for for that and then the shoulder doom, you know, all that shit just added up. But, like, when he fights those other guys, you know, he's just not going to be able to, you know? Exactly. He's not going to be able to make a run at 170. I've been saying this for years. Yeah. Like, 155 is the division he needs to fight at. 170, he could be able to hang with, like, a Masvidal. Yeah, he might be able to, to have a couple fun matchups and, yeah. and do whatever up there, but he's, that's not a class that he's going to be able to pursue. He ain't going to be able to fight Usman. No. No, Usman will murder him. Yeah. It won't even be close. But when he did the jump, though, from 145 to 170, but... 70 doesn't have to cut weight. That's the issue with right. that one. And Nate Diaz can fluctuate between weights. Like, Nate has always fought between 155 and 170. It just depends on where his brother was fighting at the time, too, and where he, the better fight was for him. Right. So that one you got to kind of just take in factor. But for Connor, he had a fight at 155. The problem he's having now is when you take time off to go box, sure, do other stuff, you lose that hunger. And you saw that in that second round because he came out – and he was going through the motions. It looked like, I mean, you could say respecting his power, and that's the way I kind of looked at it. But Poirier is a gamer. Poirier is not a flashy name, 
but MMA fans know what he's going to bring to the table. And the minute he started laying those leg kicks in, he took Connor's calves out. Dude, I mean, and what do you do with a boxer? You got, you got, they got to have legs. Yeah, I mean, listen, he, I mean, it's no, not a secret that Connor's just not, he's not a wrestler, so it's not going to be a go to the ground type fight with him, with him. So when you take out his legs, you take out his ability to stand. He's going to be in trouble, you know. Yeah. His clinch games improved tremendously uh, yeah, right. since the time of boxing. You know, I mean, I would I would credit boxing for his ability to to, to get in the clinch a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's just his leg was taken out. I mean, he talked about openly, you know, yeah. at, in the post fight that he had a, you know football sized contusion in his right calf mm-hmm. and he just couldn't throw on it. Connor yeah. Connor's biggest thing is just keeping his interest. I mean, he won the featherweight championship, he, he, you know, or the interim featherweight championship, unified it, uh beating Ho- Jose Aldo in that 13 second, you know, not surprise knockout. He got stripped of that because due to inactivity. Won the UFC uh, lightweight championship, went off to do boxing, got stripped of that. And now you just in like I posted on my Facebook Prior to Saturday's fight, he'd fought five times in, like, 1,700-plus days. Well, that's the problem he has because he's not committed to the sport anymore. Well, I mean, hey. Five times in 1,700 days. He he came to Dana last year with a fight. Right. And, I mean, I know it's – I mean, Diego Sanchez, like, Connor. Yeah. Really. But, listen, he came to him with a fight. Right. Dana turned it down. Well, as he should. Right. As – Correct. But still, though, when your guy, when Conor McGregor comes to you with a fight, regardless of who it is, you have to at least entertain the idea. You have to. But, okay, I yes and no. <laughs> I, you, you do, we, but not Diego Sanchez at this right. Stage. But I mean, it's not. Come on. So listen, it's not entertain it to the point where you're like, all right, Conor, we're going to do this. But it's an entertain it where maybe it opens a pipeline negotiation where it's like, well, all right, we'll give you the Diego Sanchez fight, but only if you do it on an ESPN Plus card, not a pay per view. But okay, but here's for that but, fight. Fuck you! It's on ESPN regular. But, sure. But here's the problem, though, for what Connor was trying to do there, they did counter offer him some fights. One with Justin Gaethje, and he wouldn't take it. Right. There was another one. I almost want to say he had Poirier last year, and he delayed it because he was trying to get another fight with Habib. No, like, po- he, the Poirier thing was he. So they came to him with Gaethje. He didn't want that fight. Yeah. And then they and then they offered him Poirier. Which he said that he would consider doing, but he wanted this the the Diego thing first. Then when uh, COVID hit and everything shut the shit down, he had offered Poirier and him to do an exhibition uh, grappling match in Ireland mm-hmm. to raise uh, charity, uh, raise money for uh, Poirier's and Connor's thing that they were doing. Right, and then that you know obviously turned into. Dana coming back to them saying, let's do well, an actual well, fight. Well, no, because, no, those guys both said they were going to do a fight. Right. Like they, well, no, they upgrade from grappling. No, they upgrade, right, they upgrade they from grappling, yeah. So, yeah, so Dana said, well, if you're going to fight, let's book it and let's make it happen. Right. But, but the thing is, for Connor, though, I understand he moves the needle and he does have a certain amount of power there. I right. get, I get that. But for the fights that he wanted to do, wasn't going to fit, and especially... You're only as good as your last fight. I'm sorry to say, in the UFC's eyes. Sure. And, I mean, and he got mauled by Khabib. Yes, that I cannot so, deny. So you don't really have as much stroke as you think. So when he was trying to negotiate with Dana. I mean, he, if he, he got mauled by Khabib. I think we all agree by that. But then what did he do afterwards? 
Yeah, he took off. He took off, and you couldn't fucking find him other than the video of him. Yeah, well, he was, he was suspended. He was suspended, He was too. suspended, but he did that whole retirement yeah, stuff, too. Yeah, that, see, that shit... He, he would have had a leg to stand on if, after all that took place, came back, knocked out a couple guys, submitted a couple guys. I'm not saying five, six, seven, eight, one or two. Yeah. If he had some notable performance. If he would have done that, he would have had a leg to stand on in an argument with Dana, but he didn't. Listen, as as the Connor guy, yeah. I can I can put my... my uh, my bias, I can put, I can be biased, right? All right, no, like yeah, I that's can do, fact, yes. like I can, like, uh, but I can also put it aside and say, yeah, is his acti- inactivity a problem? Absolutely. I mean, there's no escaping that. But at the same time, he, you know, he does push the needle though. Like, if he wants to get Diego, if if he wants Diego Sanchez and wants that fight, he can make it a million dollar pay per view. He can because he did it with this one. He did it with the Habib. He's he's done whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He pushes the needle, but not often, often enough. Nobody bought that pay per view because Habib was in it. They uh, but they no. Uh, they bought that. that no. They bought the fight because they wanted Habib to beat Connor's ass. Not, it could have been, it could have been uh, any X Y Z guy in there, but they would have bought it because they wanted X Y Z guy to beat Connor's ass because of the story that was built from all the animosity between the two. Well, no, Connor built that story up. I, right. I, I, I will give you that. Okay. But th- that's not the reason everybody bought that fight. All right. That's not. I'm sorry. No, Habib's record. Habib at that point was 26-0. Yeah. Because what did, what did Habib's fight do against Poye last time? Uh, well, they also threw on middle of the day, and so it was a rear naked choke submission, right? But uh, third round, I'm right. talking buys. Yeah, but it was like I said, middle of the day Saturday, and then the but well, what about the Habib fight with Gaethje? That still drew. Uh, that did uh, drew. How much though? I don't have not that not, a, not a not a not a top ten. No, not a top ten. No, Connor definitely generates that buzz, but you can't you can't compare Diego Sanchez this in this moment in time. To guys that are yeah, in the top listen, five, like, like I'm not that, saying that. I'm just saying like well, if, you were saying about bringing a fight to Dana's table. The way he, the only way he wanted to do is Sanchez, right? But which, all right, is it fucking dumb? Yeah. Now could uh, to me, if I'm Dana, I would have said, yeah, we'll give you that fight, but only if you do. It's not going to be a pay per view. We'll do it on ESPN Plus. But Connor wasn't going to. do No, that. he wasn't. Yeah, but I mean, thing, that's the counter offer. You know, he, the counter offer would have been. He also didn't want to be co-main event. Uh, on another card too, right? Like there's there's certain things that I get you will come with Connor that's good, and there's but certain ones that don't. After this result, though, after, after this, this result, fight, there I listen as a Connor guy, I can't even see him. I listen, understand people listening to the show. I am a fucking Connor nut. I watched the Notorious all week long. Mm-hmm. I watched the, all the Embeddeds because he was in it. I listened to the stupid playlist that was on uh, uh, fucking Spotify because I was so goddamn excited for this fight. Connor guy. He can't main event a fight anymore. He can't main event. No. I mean, the next card he's on, he has to be a co-main event. Well, here's the here's the where you can kind of factor in because with Poirier taking his legs out, he finished the fight. So we we gotta sure. just we get back to how the fight finished. So now is like what do you do with Connor? Mm-hmm. And what do you do with the lightweight title? Because Habib was entertaining allegedly coming back. Now he did send the tweet to Dana and say, be honest, none of these guys are on my level. And he's not wrong. Sure. No. I mean, I mean him and him and Chandler would be fun. Him and Chandler would be. would be, but it also goes into a point that Dustin Poirier mentioned today on uh, first take, and I I agree with him about it because the idea is okay. Habib is not going to hold up the division. I fully believe that. So the belt is no. going to get relinquished 
in a matter of time, like weeks, if not sooner. I think probably when they announce whatever is the next Poye fight will probably be the time that they say. Well, that's what you're, they're you going to have to figure out yeah. because Poirier is saying, and he does have a rightful claim, that he should be the champion right now because he's obviously defeated Connor. Sure. I know he just fought with Habib, lost to him, but he also beat Dan Hooker, who was also in the top five at the time. So now beat, uh, Conor McGregor beat Dan Hooker, beat Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, Jim Miller, just to name a few. Yeah, so he has a claim. He has a claim at it. Yeah, I will give him that. I mean, he's the number two ranked in the division. Like. I say, in five years, he has uh, two losses: one to Michael Johnson, uh, one to Habib, and then he has one no contest uh, for from illegal knees to Eddie Alvarez back in 2017. Right, but Poirier is of the rankings right now is number one. Oh, right, right. they do it. Yeah, 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 I forgot they moved the champion. So. Up. So now the question is, what would he do against the champion? Now, I know everybody's saying, well, he should go against Michael Chandler. He did bring up a point, and I do agree with him on this aspect. He said he he wouldn't give the fight to Chandler now because Chandler just debuted in the UFC, and Charles Oliveira, who is on a seven-fight win streak and is currently now ranked number three in the lightweight division, right. he said, I'd much rather do that fight because he's earned it in the UFC. Not taking anything away from Chandler. It was no disrespect. Who's, was, who's two then? Two is Gaethje right now. Okay. So <laughs> the question is, where do we go with everybody? Now, for me, I think the fight you do make is Poirier Oliveira. I fully do. I think you have to make Gaethje versus Chandler. That if you really want to see what Chandler's made of, put him in the ring against Gaethje, and let's see what we have there. Okay. Then the question is Connor. Now, Connor has already started doing the media rounds and saying he wants a trilogy fight with Poirier now. He still wants to fight Nate Diaz. So, being the Connor guy in the room, what do you see for your guy? Yeah, so, I mean, I I, I watched the post-fight and listened to Bisbing and uh, Shale Sonnen talk about this. And I agreed with your boy Bisbing that the next set of fights should just be as if this was a tournament. So it should be Chandler versus Poirier, and then the two losers, McGregor and Hooker, and just flip-flop the card. Have Poirier and uh, uh, Chandler be the main, and then uh, Connor and um, Hooker be the co-main, and just do it that way. I mean, it's already set up. It's already, you know, it just makes sense from a company standpoint. You know, you just had these guys fight uh, on the same card, so they're all roughly about the same time off um, from each other. Uh, as far as the suspension, suffer Connor's leg. Yeah, yeah. Con- yeah I mean, uh, and then I think after that, you know, the Oliver's uh, Gaethje fight, you know, is there. I think Connor versus Oliver's might be there. Um, you know, and I think he's waiting the wing, or maybe he just takes the winner of the Poirier uh, Chandler fight. But one one way or another, somebody's got to have the strap. Yeah, I agree, and I think that you're gonna. I think Poirier is gonna be involved in that title fight, like whoever I, it's gonna be. Yeah, against. no, he is. I just think to me the Chandler performance was so awe shocking mm-hmm. that the move for the UFC from a business standpoint is to, you know, the the bottle, you know, the cat lightning in the bottle, mm-hmm. and you just gotta kind of go with it. So putting him, rushing him right into a, a title fight is the it's the right move to me, Pad. No, uh, I think you got to definitely give Poirier a fight against I don't know who, but it's got it's got to be somebody for the belt. As for Connor, you got to give him somebody, but, a, but not on a main event. See, the only way you could do Connor as a main event, in my opinion, give him Diaz. 
Have him fight at 170. No, because here, here's why. No, no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. I just, I don't even think that's a main event. Oh, it is. Oh, I mean, oh it is. No, I know from the shit, like, I'm just talking from the, the inside the octagon stuff. Like, you know, the outside the shit's going to be great. You know, yeah. like, it's going to be uh, box office draw and everything. One and but one. Just the inside the octagon stuff. I just don't think it, it the fight wise should be a main event. Well, here's because here's what we have to look at. Both fights have been huge buy rates sure. for the UFC. Oh, absolutely. And there is a cult following for the Diaz brothers, so you know that they'll bring a certain demographic War in because, Stockton. like I said, they I mean, have, they have the guys that only watch Diaz fights. Connor and Connor's got a whole fans. country that watches his. And, stuff, and like I said, so. there's a cult following that does the same thing for Connor that they only watch Connor fights. There's, you know, like I say, there's certain demographics of fans that like are strictly just they want to see a certain type of fighter. Sure. So you pair those two together, you'll get another buy rate. Plus, if Connor wins, he ne- he gets that luster back. He gets that you know shine back on him. Then he can might be able to kind of call a shot and get himself back into a title picture 155 because if he beats Nate he's definitely going to generate buzz like this is mainstream stuff because of what they did last time right it makes a lot of sense to I'll me say, to do that if, if you do that you know the promos will start running all the old footage the water bottle getting thrown in everything yeah and you'll have a lot of I, people you'll have a lot of people who may not remember that fight off just off name only wait that sounds familiar see the footage you go oh shit i, I remember this i'm in for this just watch it on notorious yeah, yeah, yeah saw exactly. that that's what i'm saying like you have you have some fans that will know the names and it might ring a bell that they go haven't i seen that fight before see the video of all the trash talk and the nonsense back and forth and they go oh shit that was really fun i'm gonna watch that yeah because i think you, you got to do something like that with connor if you really want to keep him in a main main event level i mean do i, I think he should know but when you say that that does make sense because i mean if you want to i mean obviously the well is is drying a little bit so if you want that last bit of ufc pay like if the ufc is like hey we need to milk you know the connor cow as long as we can that that is the move yeah because i mean putting him as a co-main is only gonna hurt the luster more even if he does beat hooker which i think he would i I, it doesn't help him you know i mean it only elevates hooker Mm -hmm. especially if hooker puts on a decent performance so yeah i think i think the move is is to to strike you know, with this Diaz thing, especially since Diaz is, is looking for a fight. Yeah. Or I'd even say if they want to even get ballsier, put it on ABC. You just did the card with Holloway and Qatar. Okay. <laughs> you put that on free TV. You want to draw ratings. You want to draw mainstream eyes to your product. Yeah. That's what I mean, you do. I don't, you're not it's, putting it, that on the family. Of it, family well, networks. I'm just saying <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a ballsy move, but you know, if you want to move that needle. They put a Diaz fight on Fox TV. Yeah. Well, yeah, but swore, Fox, swore like a sailor. No, yeah. Granted, Fox doesn't care. I yeah. mean, Fox is not Disney owned. You know what I mean? Well, well, you, well you, you, hey, you, you could just see, are. you could just see. <laughs> The mouse coming down the ringside of Nate and Nick. Yeah. Just Dis- coming out Disney's to that Deftones music. Disney's going to see the numbers and go, nah, go ahead and do it. Yeah. I was going to say, because that's box up. You can see him coming. Yeah, you could just, uh, no, wait, uh, Nate comes down to Tupac. Because I was saying, Nick comes out to the Deftones. You can just see I, Mickey Mouse leading the, the way down to the ring. Do it at I, Disneyland. It'll be great. I don't know. I just, you got to, you got to, I mean, I think that would be, if you're going to do that, it's got to be a pay-per-view. Oh, it would be. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. you, know, I mean you, it's going to buy. You know, well, that's the thing. If you really want to see what if Connor's still generating, because after this, people are writing him off, and I think that that's very unfair. Before, but I mean, no, it's fair. <laughs> no, no, not completely. Because here's the thing: he had a bad performance, but you have to give him the benefit of the doubt to come back. And, sure. And, and oh yeah. That. And that's where I say, like, is it 
him taking five years off and coming back like when you know like when Lesnar did. Yeah. You know, is it that kind of scenario? No, it's not. So that's why I say if you give Connor the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, if you're really committed to being an MMA fighter and you want to fight in the UFC, here's your options. You still want to be a main event? Well, we're still going to have that trilogy fight to get butts in the seats. You put on a great performance against Diaz, we'll factor you in against somebody in the top five of the lightweight title after that. You know what's funny too is I mean, what, what about the BMF title? Like, what is that thing doing? It's gaining dust because the argument <laughs> the argument now is, okay, Masvidal should have fought Diaz again for it. They should have ran that back. Like, yes. There's no question about it. But they now are desperately trying to book Masvidal versus Covington. Oh. So that is the move that everybody is waiting to see because there's the history between those two. Right. Well, and because, I mean, Usman took that fight against Brown? Uh, Burns. Burns. Yeah, okay, so I knew com- it was. That's, that's coming up in March. Yeah. So, yeah, because, I mean, I know Usman Covington is the fight that, I mean, I want. Oh, you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean. No, that fight is, yeah. So that's why I say, unless you could pull Masvidal Connor. See, if you could somehow talk that into happening and free up Covington to fight the winner of Burns Usman. Yeah, because, I mean, I, that's that's the thing, though, is it's so murky, you know, yeah. between those two divisions, especially with Connor and Diaz being able to fluctuate body weight so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, we're talking and I'm like, all right, Diaz, 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 BMF, BMF, BMF. Why is that not, like, I know it was, you know, a novelty thing, but why is that not being utilized for what it's worth? I mean. Well, because the the thing about it is you still have to fight the normal (laughs) rules of MMA. Right. I get it. Like, it's just, it's just a novelty item, but like, why not have it be? I mean, listen, Diaz having that belt, being able to go again, you know, between two divisions. How fun would that be? I mean, look at the matchups that that creates with the BMF title tag to it. Yo, I agree with you. If you're, if you're going to do that belt, and for all the the pomp and circumstance you had with that thing, you should do something with it. Yeah. But I know that Dana is trying to get something going in for the divisions, obviously because when Masvidal got beat by Usman, he took a little luster off that belt. Right. Well, it uh, took a little luster off of Masvidal. Well, right, right. That's the whole thing. So but, now, I mean, that fight was shit. That well, was such dog shit. Well, exactly, because the Diaz get cut. And, and it's a stoppage. I'm sorry. Diaz's bleed on the Well, way I'm to talking the about the Masvidal Usman fight, too. That was such shit. I mean, it was just a clinch and stomp foot well, for yeah, because, 25 minutes. Because that's how Usman knew he was going to beat him. But yeah. now but now is going to be a different story for him because with Burns, Burns will push the pace with him, but I think it's going to be Usman. And then you get Covington. Well, if, but, I mean, will we, though? Well, they have to lock up him and Masvidal. And so far as I have been able to track down, they have not. So I don't know what the holdup is. It might have been Connor related too. Might have been Covington being a bitch. It could be. I mean, Covington is obviously a character, and like I say, we we do not we do not think very highly of him character here at took the ODPH. character took a hit. Yeah. So now gimmick, gimmick infringement. Yeah. So now it's like, where does he go from here? But I think a lot is going to get resolved sooner than later because once the lightweight division cleans out a little bit and we get the pairings, because once Habib gives up the belt. Dana's going to be quick to act. About yeah, this. yeah. I mean, it has to be. I mean, this division right now. I mean, think about it, the light heavyweight for years. Even when John was there, oh, light heavyweight. No, light yeah. heavyweight yeah. for years was like there was always contenders to chasing John, and it was so much like. And before John, you know, with uh, Liddell. with Liddell and Rampage and Machida, you know, it was so many guys that came through that division. It was the hottest division in all of, you know, boxing, MMA, like the whole world, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, the lightweight division now is the most you know, lucrative division in all of MMA right now. Well, the thing about the lightweight division, just to wrap things up, it's always been the deepest. Right. But but the thing is, you haven't had guys to move the needle and get 
mainstream fans to pay attention. Connor, love him or hate him, was the guy to do it. Now you have fighters down there that are getting that press time to go on. Like, would you say about five years ago, Dustin Poirier would be on ESPN Fuck Plus? no. That's the thing. No. Him, I, Justin Gaethje? I mean, uh, the, the Chandler stuff and with a post-fight presser, that, I mean, that just elevated him completely because, I mean, going into this, I had no idea outside of other than what you told me. And mm-hmm. then when I watched the, the UFC embedded stuff and, and the pre-pressers and all that stuff, I was like, this dude's pretty fucking chill. Yeah. And then the the post fight interview, and I'm like, that's my dude. Yeah, not necessarily my dude, but like, you're kind of my dude. Yeah. So that all being said, a lot of headlines coming out of UFC 257. Hit us up on that hashtag that, hashtag ODPH. I mean, what about 258 and 259? Like, yeah, at least just talk about the mains. All right, we can talk about them quick. I mean, just real quick, just tell them what they are. They announced the fights. Yeah, so uh, the main event for UFC 258, which is taking place on February 13th uh, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, uh, is for the welterweight championship between Gilbert Burns and champion Kamaru Usman. Uh, and then for UFC 259, taking place on March 6th, uh, venue to be determined. Uh, for the light heavyweight championship, you have Jan Blahovitz taking on Israel Adesanya. I'm so excited for that one. Yeah, and then they, I believe they also have two other title fights stacked for that card as I'll well. say that card you have for the Women's Featherweight Championship, Amanda Nunes taking on Amanda uh, Megan Anderson. Uh, and for the Bantamweight Championship, you have Peter Yan taking on Aljermaine Sterling. Let's go. Yeah, what that, a night. That card is what ridiculous. A night. That's the oh, one, my God. That's the only three fights announced for that card. Exactly. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> that was one, I believe it was March 7th. Uh, no, that's March yeah, 6th. Yeah. yeah, that I believe that there was a company that was going to try doing a wrestling pay-per-view that night, and they have to move their stuff. Yikes. Yeah. So, Yikes. a lot of news going on with that, and I guess to close out the MMA segment, because we have to address it. I was going to wait till. Ah, uh, just get it out of the way. Uh, Jake Paul has locked in a boxing match against Ben Askren. <laughs> and, and as we found out on the Ariel Helwani show, uh, Jake uh, Paul has moved to Miami and is going to train with one Jorge Masvidal. Which, I listen... Ben Askren as known as a wrestler and and Jorge Mazival is not known as a box. Like it yeah, just yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Right? What can yeah. you say? Yeah. yeah. Or, or, as say? we just say the thirteenth month of twenty twenty. Sure. I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna watch that fight, but all I care is put Snoop on commentary. Yeah, that's all I want to see is the commentary. I don't want to see anything of that fight because that's hot garbage, and I am just going to give you my recommendation. Not watch that fight. Facts. Please, please don't. But if you want to watch a good fight, definitely catch the replay on twitch.tv slash 67podcast. We gave you our live reactions to UFC 257. So hit us up on that hashtag, and let's continue the conversation talking about all that's going on with the UFC. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what scotch will make your palate feel like it's just gone on a majestic journey through the Highlands? If LeBron will ever win another ring? Or if the Leafs will ever win another Stanley Cup? Mike, if they tune in to Scotch and Sports, they're going to find all that out and more. They're going to find out what's souring our Scotch, what our next Scotch on the shelf is, and our On the Rocks segment, where we debate two topics. You just met Mike. I'm Gertie. we got Suds coming up. And we may be drinking Scotch, but our biased opinions don't change no matter how much we've had. And we have quite a bit. We'll even answer viewer questions, so send them in. And if you don't like the answer, well, we'll just have to have another scotch and we can still all be friends. We even talked a little, or a lot, of pop culture. Where else can you find hot takes on WandaVision, NFL analysis, and the fact that the Leafs will in fact win the Stanley Cup this year? Answer, scotch and sports. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. 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 So time to run the ropes because it is Royal Rumble time. In one billion. Yes. Dollar, dollar, but, bills, y'all. But like I was going to say, the Royal Rumble was going to be the big story of the week, but they <laughs> decided to pull a big one on Swerve. us. Swerve. Uh-huh. So... Coach, you want to break it down? I mean, well, as uh, it was announced, I believe this was Monday morning, Mm -hmm. uh, the WWE signed an exclusive deal with the Peacock Network, a.k.a. NBC, for it to exclusively have the rights to all streaming platforms for all WWE services. Yes. Starting with Fastlane in March of 2021, I believe. Yeah. Yes, so March 18th, I believe, is the date that they flip over. The sale is for $1 billion. $1 billion. I mean, that's Dr. Evil. Yeah, yes. that's Dr. Evil money. That mm. is doing the Dr. Evil mm, in the yeah. studio right now. $1 billion. $1 billion. So, gentlemen, thoughts on this? Fuck, I mean, hey, uh, I guess business ain't hurting. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, to quote the borrow from Coach and quote, the Hurt Business business is uh, booming. I mean, we've heard rumors and and for a while that the rights, I guess you could say, for the WWE Network were up for sale. I know ESPN had been rumored being in there. Fox. Fox. I mean, NBC, which would be the mouse uh, at this point. Uh, you know, but NBC makes the most sense. That's the company, you know, because NBC Universal owns USA Network, so that's the company they've had the longest history with and, and the best relationship with. So, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. And plus, it's a win for WWE subscribers because if you have a WWE Network subscription, but like myself, don't have a Peacock subscription, well, your subscription from WWE Network is going over to Peacock, uh, which is like half price of yeah. what the network is. So that's with, pr- ad, with ads, though. With yeah, ads. With, with ads. ads. So, that, I mean, that's a, that's a plus. It's a plus. It's a win-win. WWE during the COVID era has actually been thriving on business. It's they've made a lot of money despite the fact of not traveling. Right. It's it's comical because you'll see the pundits, the dirt sheets that are gonna chime in, that are gonna say that this move is a, a you know a showing that the WWE didn't have the network thing down and they couldn't handle it, blah, all that bullshit and that narrative, but. They no. have $1 billion and you don't. I mean, they had it down. It's just my only gripe with them for the longest time was when it came time for the big cards, the manias, the rumbles, the summer slams. You know, you ran into issues. Yeah. It froze. It couldn't handle it. And this was despite the fact that it's been going, what, six years now, seven years I now? I mean, I Something didn't like have that. really any out, any issues outside of the initial launch that I can really gripe we, on. I mean, we, we never – we only – when Ken and I would go watch with some friends, we would run into issues, like I said, with the big three, I guess yeah. you could say. The other ones, not so much, no no issues. But when it came time for WrestleMania, it almost got to a point where it's like, all right, turn off turn off your phones or turn them over. Don't read the uh, social media because you're going to get spoiled because we've fallen behind a little bit. Yeah, it was just an issue that for the experiment that was, it was a huge success because yeah. where else were you going to get all the pay-per-views Right to your subscription. It was also a steal considering what the price of pay-per-views used to be. Right. And now going to Peacock, you have to remember this. For everybody saying, like, oh, it's out of business or AEW ran them off, which, I mean, I've, I've read that. And I'm just like, folks, until you clear a million consistently on Wednesday nights, we really can't talk about ratings. It's also only a matter of time before some of their stuff ends up on HBO Max. Dude, exactly. listen. I mean, this move is a power move by WWE. Oh, absolutely. Because... I mean, I guess outside of the being able to control your own content, which they did, you know, previous with their own network, they now have $1 billion, I mean, in their pockets to play with in an era right now where they're not touring, uh, where, you know, they don't have a house gate, you know, to help boost sales. 
And now, you know, the, the Peacock Network, you know, the people that are doing the 499 thing, they're obviously going to have cross platform yeah. uh, commercials yeah so like when people are streaming the office because let's face it if anybody did buy the peacock network off the bat it's because of that um so now they're gonna have ads if they did the 499 version where they're gonna see the wwe and blah blah, blah. like so it's gonna the cross promotion is gonna be insane i mean the nbc gold is folding to the sports network right so yes. i mean a lot of this is tied into that so I mean the NBC uh you know the that brand that company you know is literally just is going like bananas right now. I right. mean they're it's becoming a must have. I mean it's a win for WWE just because according to the Variety article that was posted uh on Monday about the deal uh in the third quote in the third quarter of 2020 WWE network had average paid subscribers of 1.6 million uh down about 60,000 from the prior quarter but an increase of 6% year over year uh marking the service's first annual growth since the first quarter of 2019 uh on the flip side according to an article from the rap yeah I was just going to mention uh, uh dated on December 8th of 2020 uh at that point, uh, Peacock had topped 26 million subscribers. Now, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of overlap, but the WWE Network is all of a sudden going from 1.6 million subscribers to 26 plus. It's probably over 30 million at this point. It's going to get a lot more eyes on the product. Yeah. So you can't say this is a loss by any stretch of the imagination. Even if they do, if they get a fraction of that 26 million audience yeah. on their stuff. Yeah. At least for WrestleMania, it's a win. And, and especially, you got to figure there's some people who have Peacock that are older wrestling fans haven't watched in a while, in a while, but for whatever reason, that see it and go, "Oh, hey, I remember used to watch it. Remember watching that? Why don't I go take a, a stroll down memory lane? Why don't I watch WrestleMania 17, 19, you know, three? Take your pick. Oh, why don't I see what's going on nowadays? And then they become a fan again. Yeah, it's definitely a win-win for WWE. I can't see this really failing. And then just the question is, what happens with NXT? Like Coach mentioned. NBC Sports gets absorbed. I think it just goes back to streaming. Could be. Or it goes to a different night on USA Network. No, I think, honestly, I mean, they have the hockey night, you know, that they do right now Mm -hmm. uh, on Wednesday Wednesday nights. nights. Um, I honestly could see something where they almost maybe uh, have it lead to a Wednesday night, you know, a night game, you know, so maybe a West Coast game. I honestly can see NXT staying. You know, like, because think about it, uh, NHL is only certain amount of the season. Mm-hmm. So maybe during the NHL season, they bump it, you know, to Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesday. Well, yeah, they bump it to Tuesdays or maybe they bump it to, you know, st- the streaming platform. And then when it's off, they can seamlessly just transition it right back to being on air. So it's like, you know, it doesn't hurt NXT because they're they're going to find a home for it. Right. Um, and I mean, honestly, the, the PLL talked about this a ton. Uh, with the Premier Lacrosse League where, you know, they would have an NHL game go into their game and the number of of uh, demos and households that were viewing it because of the of the tie-in viewership was huge. I mean, USA talked about it with the Chrisley Show, yeah. right. how the WWE being the lead-in show to that, even though the Chrisley Show aired at 11, the tie-in and the airing that led into it was huge mm. and helped the Chrisley Show take off. So, I mean... NXT leading into an NHL game. Oh, it'd be huge. It might be, or vice versa, if they bump NXT to 10, that lead-in and that tie-in might be, you know, unsurmountable for you know the them versus AEW. Well, and you got to figure once it comes WrestleMania time, every channel that is under the NBC Universal banner, you got to figure promos. You got to figure promos, and then you got to figure because one I can think of is flipping channels. I passed the, some of the Discovery channels, you know, Discovery TLC, uh, History, HGTV. They're all in that lineup, that row here. 
you flip past those channels, you see the little thing in the top right because Discovery Plus just launched with their whole thing. They got the thing, oh, you know, all your favorite, you know, TLC shows, History Channel shows on Discovery Plus for insert price right in the top right corner. You got to figure that something for, you know, WrestleMania, whatever the hell the number is this year, you know, streaming exclusively on Peacock date and time for weeks. Oh, yeah, they're going to get the hype. I mean, Christ, you're going to see, I would imagine... They might bring in Al Roker. No, you might see John Cena hosting Saturday Night Live the week before. Oh, well, that could be. You'll see, you'll see something Yeah, that, they haven't announced that far yeah, out. Yeah, like I said, you'll see something to happen there. So Elias will be the musical guest. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, oh, if only, if only. But we got to get there first via the Royal Rumble. So yeah. definitely check out what Peacock is doing if you are interested in continuing the WWE uh, subscription. Because, like I say, there's only a couple more pay-per-views left. The Royal Rumble is one, and that is coming up this Sunday. Yeah. So definitely, Pat, you got the information for that? Yeah, so like I said, the Royal Rumble taking place this Sunday, 7 o'clock on the WWE Network. One of my, possibly my favorite pay-per-view of the year, just because of the uncertainty of it. Uh, so we're going to preview some of the matches uh, that they have announced. Uh, starting with, you have the Women's Tag Team Championship taking place with Asuka and Charlotte Flair defending their belts against uh, Nia Jax and Shane. Basler, coach, you have any feelings on this? No. All right. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, to me, this is just a placeholder until something at WrestleMania. Well, I think that there's one or two thoughts about this. Obviously, the Oscar and Charlotte Flair tag team winning the belts is just kind of tying up things until WrestleMania season. Yep. They're doing the whole Don Marie Tori Wilson angle, a la Lacey Evans and Charlotte now, with Ric Flair being wooed pun intended, by Lacey Evans. Ew. So, yeah, it's been kind of a weird setup, so I don't know if this going to be like some shenanigans where I she gets distracted. Like yeah. And then Asuka winds up uh, losing the tag team titles, and it goes back to Nia and Shayna, which is what it is. Team Hell No 2.0 gets them again. Yeah. yeah. So, definitely, it is what it is. I'm just kind of hoping they get the belts off them and on the, an actual tag team by yeah. Rumble time. Yeah. Or, or WrestleMania time. Uh, next up for the WWE Championship, you have Drew McIntyre defending his belt against Goldberg. <sighs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, we're we're yeah, we're stuck with this. Uh, I don't feel good about this. I just don't get the love affair about bringing Goldberg back at this age. It's in his contract. I, no, I, I get it, but for a title, like he has to have a title match. Like, why are we doing this when Drew McIntyre has been getting buried his entire his entire title run? Runs. Yeah. Well, it just it feels like one, even though he got the belt taken off him. It's just like it's been that kind of stagnant and repetitive that it's like he's not doing anything to elevate his status. There's nothing against Drew, and I, I think a lot of it has to do that he's not in front of crowds. Yeah. But he's doing the best he can with what he got. But to have him go to Goldberg, I fear that he's going to lose the belt to Goldberg because, hey, that would be something they want to do just to shake things up. Now, you know what's going to happen. Gold, he's going to win, He's going to beat Goldberg. Goldberg's going to come out in the Rumble and then probably win it. And it's going to be fucking awful. I, I'm, I've already said my piece about Goldberg, so I'm just going to leave it there because I'm not going to tie with the rest of the show. Fair enough. On to the non-main event. Yeah, so uh, this is for the Universal Championship where Roman Reigns is defending his belt against Kevin Owens in a last man standing match. Uh, yeah, if those with weak constitutions might not want to watch this. These two have fantastic chemistry together. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but, I mean, it's Just, been a lot. It's been a lot of Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. And I know the first time Kevin got a lot of offense in, which, like, wasn't expected. I don't see it going that way this time. 
I think it's going to because I think what they really want to try establishing is Roman can be beat. He's not going to, but I think they really want to establish like Owens put a good threat on him and can kind of show that maybe maybe he's giving the blueprint of somebody else to do it. Yeah, because you definitely want to keep him at least a little bit you know, human, a little bit normal, because that'll keep the eyes there. If you just have it where he continually, continuously beats the holy hell out of people, and it's just to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, he's facing, insert wrestler, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke, whoever it is. If you just have him continuously win in dominating fashion, people are going to turn off and go, well, I know he's going to win this match. It's been the storyline that's been dominating WWE television, and it's rightfully so, because the heel turn of Roman Reigns has been the breath of fresh air we've been ex- waiting for. Like, I wish Raw would pick up on this, but Raw has just been a shell of itself, mm-hmm. and it's just not been good to watch. No. SmackDown from top to bottom has been a phenomenal time to watch with everything going on. Even Sasha Banks has made Carmella been, become interesting. Like, that's how good that show has been. I'm sorry, I'm not that impressed with Carmella, but damn it, in a program with Sasha, and she, Sasha's making her like a, look like a million bucks, same thing here. Roman as a heel has been doing everything we want to see out of a heel. And he's been the cool heel, too. Like, he hasn't been too corny, he hasn't been too traditional. And they've definitely been pushing the envelope where he is just going after everybody. So I think this is going to be a compelling match. I definitely like Roman to retain here. Yeah. And then we get on to the actual main event of main events. Yeah, so you've got the Women's Royal Rumble match taking place. Uh, of course, that is the one where, uh, where 30 women enter. One woman will be left, left standing, and she challenges the champion of her choice. Uh, some of the participants we have announced are Nia Jax, Charlotte Flair, Bailey, Bianca Belair, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, Peyton Royce, Shayna Baszler, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Tamina. Now, it was announced that they're bringing WWE backstage back. Okay. And they are going to be announcing the first entrant of the Women's Rumble. Okay. And the 30th men's entrant. Okay. okay. I get that first part. That second part's yes. bad. So what I'm going to ask from you both is, one, who is your pick to win the Rumble? Okay. For each men and women. Okay. And who is the surprise entrant? Okay. Coach? Uh, so I think the women's winner after the documentary that just aired – it's going to be Bianca Blair. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, I mean, this week was fully engulfed in everything that is Bianca Blair. Uh, I think the company is going to get behind her. I think that, you know, they have an opportunity to take it and run with her. Um, my surprise entrant, <laughs> honestly, uh, I mean, outside of somebody from NXT, I could probably see maybe um, uh, Edge's wife. Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix. Beth. I could see Beth. Yeah, times. she's been in a couple times. Uh, I could see her. Uh, the men's. I, this is such a toss up. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, with a uh, friend of the show, uh, George Gatton, and our other buddy Al. You know, we've gone back and forth on uh, Big E being our favorite. Uh, I I just don't know if the company is behind Big E necessary just yet. Um, I f- I feel a hot and cold thing. When it comes to, I know they just put the the belt on him or whatever, but I feel this kind of hot cold thing with him. Um, I and I mean Cesaro's getting a push right now, Nakamura. Um, I feel like they're just going to go the safe route and they're going to go somebody like Daniel Bryan. I, I just don't. I don't think they're going to pull the trigger, you know, on anything too crazy. Uh, and my surprise entrant, I'm going to go with Lesnar. Okay. All right. 
Pad? Uh, for the women's match, I think I'm going to agree with Coach uh, Bianca Belair. I think if uh, for all the reasons he mentioned, but I think also because of the performance she had last year. Obviously, we know what these things, they have them at least penciled or kind of rough ideas of what they're going to do each year or going into next year. I think her performance and what she did last year opened up a lot of people's eyes and kind of gave her some shine. They're like, hey, why don't we do this again? But, you know, have her win the whole thing. Uh, for my surprise entrant, uh, Ken's going to like me for this, but this is based off of some rumors and some hearsay we've been hearing over the last couple of months. Uh, Eva Marie. Ah. Ah. <laughs> I'll read everything. It's rumored she's back with the company. Uh, uh, she's been down at the training center. She's been at, I down mean, at the training center. I think this is where you where you bring her back. Uh, for good or bad, uh, we'll see. Will they pump in heel noise for her? She's going to get booed out of the building. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, and then for the Men's Royal Rumble match, I'll just read off quick. Uh, some of the par- same rules apply. Uh, some of the participants announced for this. Edge, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Mustafa Ali, who's taking the place of Kofi, uh, Jeff Hardy, Cesaro, Otis, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sheamus, AJ Styles, Jay Uso, John Morrison, The Miz, Bobby Lashley, Daniel Bryan, Big E, and Randy Orton. Uh, I think the winner of this is going to be Daniel Bryan. Uh, I think that's the one that they have them go up against Roman because Christ only knows what they're going to do with Raw. I don't think even they know what the hell they're going to do. And then for surprise entrant, Booker T. I, I think they're tipping their hand a little bit with having... That's fair. With that's Bad fair. Bunny. When yeah. they just announced yesterday that Bad Bunny's going to be there to sing his Booker T song. He I, did the his update his profile yeah, picture to the I th- music I th- video. I think they're tipping their hand a little bit that Booker T's going to be at the Rumble. Okay, so women's Royal Rumble. I think it should be Bianca Belair. Okay. Now, she obviously has risen her stock with that company, uh, Lightfold. That obviously from last year's performance to everything going on since she's been on main roster, hell to even last week when she deadlifted Otis. Yeah, that was fall. That was nuts. That was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. I, in fact, tweeted out. The memes that came out of... uh, that her being SmackDown and Otis being Raw, yeah, were yeah. hilarious. They're not wrong. Fantastic. She should win, but I have a feeling that they're going to give the the Rumble win to somebody else. Now, I am going to go and say lock it in. She will wrestle for the women's title on SmackDown at Mania. Okay, so she will. Like it'll be like if they do Elimination Chamber next month, she'll win that. Okay. I, I but I'm, I am rooting for her to win this one. But I have this odd sinking suspicion uh-huh. that we're going to have Ronda Rousey come back and win the thing. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm uh, hoping I'm wrong. I really do. I I genuinely hope I'm wrong about this. I hope it's Bianca. I, I want to see Bianca win because I think she's fantastic. But I will say Ronda will be the surprise entrant. I feel like they'd save that for a crowd. No, not necessarily. I mean, no, I think right now the the with everything that's going on the save it for the crowd thing is like reserved for like Lesnar like yeah. they're they're willing to do anything at this point right now because this is what they're dealing with you know like they're this is the environment they have mm-hmm. saving it for the crowd does nothing when who knows when the crowd's coming back right we do know that the first time they're going to be having a live crowd is Wrestlemania right but, well, but they're going to pop for everything right, right. But, but that's totally that's it, exactly yeah it's, throw a, that it's, out. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges yeah. you can't compare them but what I'm saying is going off this idea they just signed the deal with Peacock. Right. True. If you want to try getting more non-wrestling fans to look at the product, what better way than generate some buzz than get Ronda Rousey, who people know from... <sighs> I 
that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, that, yeah. that, that begs the question, though. Does she have the same draw that she did at the height of her UFC it's hard, it's hard to say. I right. mean, she's been big on Twitch. She's been doing some oh, other sure, stuff. So sure. it, it's not to say it's all the wrong thought. Like I said, I'm hoping Bianca Belair wins. But I think she'll get the SmackDown title shot anyway. But I think Ronda is going to win and then get the Raw shot. Honestly, I thought you were going to ask who would be who we thought was number 130. And for the women, I think it would be Bianca. That see, would be the story they would do. See, I think that they should do that, but I could definitely see it being like a letdown. Like, just, yeah, it usually like, is. Like something like you'll have like uh, Dana Brooke be number one. Mm. Just, could be. Just to tip the hat like that, like to be the one. And I mean, it would, Yo, it would, make, it would make a fantastic story, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, who, wait, who's Shana, Shana's par- tag team partner? Naya. Naya. You know what would be funny? Naya's number one. Oh, I'd, I'd go for that. Ah! I'm like. Since she almost killed. Poor Dana Brooke last yeah, night. Yeah, again. So, God. Yeah, I. God damn it. I don't understand that. I, I, I genuinely don't. Danger, danger, danger. Yeah, you would think you would pull. Fuck. Pull the alarm on that one. Literally watch that and turn to Aaron. I go, oh, I, she's going to kill somebody. Yeah. I mean, there's just no question about it. So for the men's, I got to say, my surprise entry is Lesnar, too. Okay. For nice. the same reason. For the same reason. Yeah. Just the only thing is. For yeah. random choice, <laughs> that was my reason. Well, no, no, for, no, because I did the same thing. Like, which is going to generate the buzz? And you yeah. know, if Goldberg is back, I just had this god awful feeling. Right? Why wouldn't they do it? Why wouldn't? They? Yeah. And so you could set up Goldberg versus Lesnar. No. Again. Yeah. Again. Again, because that's a Vince don't move. Do that. That's don't a, even. Don't put that back in. Put that back in there. Goldberg. I wish I could con- retract. Goldberg is contractually obligated for I f- until I forget what year, but it's not super distant future. Yeah, so he he's contractually obligated through at least the next couple of years to have at least two, maybe three matches every year. Yeah, so I could definitely see the storyline be him versus Roman, which I think that would be fantastic. And the the, the who does Paul Heyman really side with? You could that build, would be good. You could That'd do something there, yeah. but I just think this is going to be Vince, and he's going to say Goldberg versus Lesnar. Yeah, hey, give me the big guys. Yeah, you could definitely see that. I hope I'm wrong. Well, I mean, they're doing two nights, and they've already the rumor going around is that they need four main, you know, main event style matches per night. I mean, it could be Cena. Ugh. So, like, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, you're going to have somebody come in like that. I, the one I'll say is definitely rule out the Rock. Right. That's put that baby to bed. Yeah, that's not happening. He's not coming. He's too busy singing uh, Moana songs for his daughter. Right. I mean, if anything, it'd be next year. Yeah. Like I said, that's not happening. Not in front of a crowd. No, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna do it in L.A. There, yeah. There's no. You can just wipe any idea. He's wrestling before then. Yeah. He's not doing it if for I, Tampa Bay. He ain't gonna do it Tampa Bay. Sorry, to our Florida listeners, but no. I mean, I know if it, was, listen, if it was in Miami. If maybe. it was in Miami, yeah, baby. Miami, yeah, Miami. Yeah. Miami got some of Tampa. Nah, sorry. Not so much. That. No, but we'll just have to wait and see about it. Um, like I say, I'm kind of hoping the Dark Horse picks, though. Who wins? You didn't say who won. Oh, I said Lesnar. Oh, you think Lesnar surprises and wins? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm, like I say, I hope I'm wrong. Like, right. in my perfect world, Bianca Belair wins, and then on the men's side, Jey Uso, which would create a true storyline between him and Rock. Okay. That do you give up your title shot for the family, or now is your one shot at glory, and... Go from there. I really, I really, really hope. I mean, Biggie had. I mean, they separated them. They did all this. I really was hoping that they were going to pull the trigger, and I just don't see him doing it. See, the thing is, since he's IC champ, he's not. If I'll, I'll, I'll put this asterisk by it right now. You can see me drawing it. I did. He if, did draw it. If if he wrestles on the pre-show against Sami Zayn, and he drops the belt, 
he's winning the Rumble. Right, but I mean, he could still even lose it. I mean, there's still two pay-per-views before Mania after the Rumble. So. No, no, but uh, but that'll be the big story. If he, yeah. if he drops it, he's winning it. Right. And you can wipe anything I just said away. Right. So, and then we go from there, but we'll find out on Sunday when it comes about. WWE Network still on there this <laughs> Sunday. For now. For now. And we are going to be live reacting to this on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. So you'll get our live reactions. You'll hear if I'm right. You'll hear if I'm wrong right then and there. I'll, uh, I'm going to uh, try and see if Finn wants to stay up. So let the uh, my five-year-old son you know, catch his second rumble. He didn't make it for the last one. So hopefully the men go on early um, so he can stay up and see you know some of his guys go out there. Yeah, I think it just depends on who the big surprise is going to be. Because I think if it's if it's Rousey winning, yeah, last year. So last year I let my my then five year old daughter stay up because the women went on early. So yeah. I let her watch that. So definitely a lot of storylines going in. So we'll have to see what happens. Jump in the chat, twitch.tv slash six seven podcast, and then hit us up in between on social media. You can find all our Twitter links at ochodoroparleyhour.com. If you head over to our Twitch our Twitter account at odparleyhour, let us know your picks for the Royal Rumble going on this set or this Sunday. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on TheVillainsDemand.com. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to round the bases and take the show home, Pat. Got to talk a little Baseball Hall of Fame uh, because the 2021 Baseball Writers uh, Association announced their Hall of Fame uh, vote, or who's getting in and who's not. And for the fifth time, I believe, uh, third or fourth time, I want to say, in the last 50 years and the ninth time all time, nobody's getting in. Uh, Kurt Schilling was the leading vote getter. Now, the thing I should note, uh, to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, you need 75% of the total vote to get in. Kurt Schilling was the leading vote getter uh, with 71.1% of the vote. Uh, next was Barry Bonds with 61.8% of the vote. Uh, third was Roger Clemens with 61.6% uh, of the vote. Uh, some other notables just outside there, Scott Rowland uh, in his fourth year on the ballot, 52.9% uh, of the vote. Omar Vizquel, who played for like a 1,000 years. Yeah. Uh, don't believe me, look up his stats. Dude played for like 15 years. It's something absurd. Uh, finished with 49.1% of the vote. Now, the thing we should note, uh, but Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens didn't make it in. Nobody made it in. So the 2020, now what would have normally been the 2021 Hall of Fame weekend is being seeded to the 2020 Hall of Fame weekend because, well, they didn't get it last year because of the pandemic going on. And since there's nobody going in this year. Uh, so if things are able to happen up in Cooperstown, uh, that will be taking place. A uh, couple names fell off. Nobody of real note. Just Nick Swisher for us. The Yankee fans uh, fell off the ballot. A.J. Burnett fell off the ballot. Uh, to fall off the ballot, uh, you need to get less than 5% of the vote. Uh, so those are just some notables to fall off the ballot. Uh, but some interesting names uh, next year for the 2022 ballot. Won't go through the whole list, but uh, some dude named Alex Rodriguez. Uh, it's his first year, mm. first year on the ballot. Uh, you also have David Ortiz. It's his first year on the ballot. Uh, so it's definitely some, you know, Prince Fielder. It's his first year on the ballot. Joe Nathan was a staple up there in Minnesota for a lot of years. Uh, Tim Lincecum, you know, the freak. Uh, his first year on the ballot. Jonathan Papelbon. It's his first year on the ballot. So definitely some interesting names. Well on, done, Pat. Thank you. Uh, definitely some interesting names on the ballot next year to see what, whether they get in or not. Nathan, I think, could be a, a, a 
uh, an underdog in, but I could definitely see him getting yeah, there. Yeah, no, at some point. You yeah. know, not first ballot, at some point. It just depends on what they want to do with A-Rod and Ortiz. Yeah, that's I so say you thought Clemens uh yeah, Clemens A-Rod. you thought Clemens and Bonds got some tests. A-Rod's gonna be the real test. A-Rod's gonna be a real struggle to get in, in uh-huh. my opinion. Yeah. Coach, what you got? Well, uh it's the uh Week before the uh, Super Bowl, so uh, or the two weeks before that break in between that they have, so the NFL is gearing towards the mock draft because there's only two teams left and it's mock draft season, baby. Uh, the Senior Bowl is actually practicing today. Uh, they had uh, players uh, posted online of uh, their height and weights and everything. Uh, in the initial, you know, mock draft, uh, Mel Kiper not going to give away. Uh, a lot of it because it's behind a paywall, and I respect the paywall. Uh, but let's just say there was three or two wide receivers going in the top three, and three quarterback, four quarterbacks going in the top fifteen. Interesting. You pencil in who you would like where, but very interesting initial mock draft. Yeah, everything is going to be focusing on the draft now, except for Kansas City. And, yeah, except for and, except for Kansas City and Tampa Bay fans. The rest of us. Gearing for the draft. Yeah, yep. that's what we've shifted our attention to. It's going to be a wild one this year that I think that especially with the possible moving of Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, like Matt I, Stafford. Like I said, uh, what, three or four weeks ago, the Jets literally control the power of the draft. Yeah. They have all the power because Jacksonville is obviously going Trevor Lawrence, and here they are, you know, number two, the Jets, all the power in their hands. Is absolutely wild to see, but how crazy is it that Deshaun Watson wants to take the Jets over Miami? I just have to throw that in there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, he's got a relationship with Slay. Yeah, is what I, which is what I read. So I guess, well, I mean, when you have a relationship with a guy, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but I'll still just throw. Yeah, that in yeah, there. I know you'll, you know, you want to the knife and just you know twist it a little bit. Yeah, so I have to, I have to get my saltiness out of the way before I get to my base. And that is, on on a somber note to close the show, it is the one-year anniversary of the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, him and other passengers uh, passed away in a helicopter crash a year ago. It's so surreal to still think it, it's it it feels like it just happened yesterday yeah and and well and for me it, it feels like it's been longer just because you know obviously wow has it really been a year it feels like longer this is really the case because 2020 being what it was it feels like that was longer ago yeah i mean i still we were talking about it at work today because i i still remembered it like it was it happened yesterday i remember yeah. exactly where it was what was happening you know at one of olivia's basketball games yeah uh, shit was tough that day. It, it took me fucking weeks to get over. So I made it about five minutes into the uh, tribute show that they had on ESPN before I was like, I can't, I'm not going to relive this because it's just too painful. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like I said, it just feels so surreal. Like it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, like you, it feels like it's supposed to be a bad dream. And I'm supposed to wake up. Yeah, and no, just... I mean, for me that it reminded me a lot of when I heard Michael Jackson died, that it was yeah. just one of those ones that I, I looked online and oh, breaking news, Michael Jackson. I'm like, what? Yeah. What, what? What? Like I, you know, coworker came up and told me I was at work uh, when the news came out that he'd passed away, and, and coworker came and told me, and it was just what? Like one and one was not equaling two in that instance. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it was reliving that day and that moment. It was just like I couldn't. You know, I was literally I was sitting there on my couch and I was like, oh my god, this is deja vu, and yeah. I was like, I'm not putting myself through this. I mean. I love Kobe. I, uh, you know, everybody that was in that crash and their family, you know, nothing but thoughts and prayers and yeah, love to absolutely. them. 
Um, but I just I couldn't do that to myself again. It was too much. No, like I say, it's just it's, just, it's so weird to think that it, it's been a year. Like yeah. I said, like it, one, it doesn't feel real, and two, it just it's been a year already like yeah i mean it just with like like pat said with everything that happened in 2020 the just the the nonsense and the difficulty and the struggles and everything it was like to to think that that was a year ago it's like wow it feels like a lifetime yeah Yeah. it literally it just it feels like it was decades ago man and it just and but it's so fresh that it also feels like it was yesterday yeah it's such a weird uh, uh, you know, to uh, local thing, uh, Twilight Zone, yeah, type thing, you know. Yeah, no, it's absolutely just surreal to feel, and, and like I say, uh, Coach put it best. I mean, from all of us at the panel, that's still our thoughts and you know, positive energy out to the, the victims of the trash, you know, the families of the victims, and it's just, it just makes you realize that not everything is guaranteed, and you gotta just take every day for what it is and make the best of it, because. You know, unfortunately, it's not a guarantee that tomorrow's going to happen. Facts, yeah. So, on that note, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. Now, we know him from Fair City Fire. He has been doing a Wednesday concert series, Coach. Oh. That if you want to check out his Patreon, he does share this on uh, his Facebook pages, you can see what he's going to be doing because the Patreons will pick the concert. He won't let me do Nickelback, and there's an inside joke that you have to hit him up on social media to ask him about. I don't, I don't want him to do Nickelback, so I won't. Yes. Ken and I do. <laughs> yeah, we, we, do, we do because we'll tell you the story off air. But if you want to find out about that, you swing on over to the music section of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour webpage, ochoduroparlayhour.com where you can check out everything going on with them, Second Suitors, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, um, Tom Jolu, all the great music you hear on the show. But then you go over to the directory, which you can go check out Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support and Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing groups we were in via their Pod Chaser pages. Because, Pad, what is the golden rule? The one with the gold makes the rules. No, it's not it. But I, I do love it that you brought that reference back. No, the rule is if you are in a pod group and your group is not represented on Pod Chaser, you're not in a pod group. So definitely want to give a quick shout-out to everybody in Pod Nation, the Apodalypse, Alternate Reality Radio, the Legion of Podcast. Podcasts, and 8122 Productions and hashtag 67 Podcast. And our guys over at 8122 had a lot of choice things to say on the Patreon directed towards Conor McGregor, Coach. So you might want to have a word with him outside the show. Yeah, I'll see Diesel when I see him. Don't you worry. Oh, I mean, he's he's anticipating that as well. Plus, I got a table waiting for him because he's talking some egregious nonsense about the bills. What you want to find out we're talking about? Simple. Sign up for their Patreon. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you comfy seat at the table. And you can have all the rich Ron, Mike C, and hashtag Big Nanny Cool you can handle. Also, we have a link on our front page to our Tee Public store where there is a sale going on this week. Ooh. So definitely want to get some ODPH swag. Swing on over there starting Thursday, I believe. So it'll be going on all weekend. So definitely want to get some ODPH swag. That's the place to go. Also links to the Twitch channel, TikTok. Everything that is the ODPH can be found at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Friends don't let friends get Tyler Bass tattoos. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.